Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. editor of wrestling inc nick hausman joined here as i am just about every tuesday by my good friend michael weissman michael welcome back to the winkley good friend i like it you called me a, <clears throat> a good friend although i'm not i'm not feeling too great today got a little bit of a cold something something going on suck it suck it up buttercup we got a we got a pro wrestling punditry show to get to here today i don't want no excuses it's like the post office. We, it doesn't matter the weather, how we feel. We are going to deliver this podcast. <laughs> Pure, uncut Michael Weissman. That's what I want on the show here today. Yes. The best. Uh, uh. Because, Michael, this is a very special episode today. We have, of course, the past five days of news. There's been so much it's news. Not a, it's not a very special episode like the 80s shows, right? <laughs> We're going to talk about drugs and how you shouldn't do them. and. I don't know. Maybe. It's not that kind of very special episode, is it? <laughs> don't tell me what this show is and is not going to be today, Michael. <laughs> I really never know. When, when Once the box gets opened, you never know what's going to come out of the box here at the Winkley. Um, oh, my God. So uh, we do have past five days of news to get into, and uh, there is always tons and tons of stuff here to talk about on Tuesday. But we have a boatload of audio for you here today. Of course, there was a little show over the weekend called AEW Full Gear. Uh, there was a little convention attached to that called StarCast 4. Uh, I was on site for both of those. I got a lot of interviews at StarCast. I was also a part of the uh, post-show media scrum. And uh, last Friday, uh, our owner, proprietor, El Presidente of Wrestling Inc., Raj Geary, he participated in the Cody Rhodes uh, AEW Full Gear media call. So uh, I've decided to package all of that media here today. We're just going to dump it here after the news. So you're going to get right after the news, you're going to get Cody's pre-AEW Full Gear media call. Uh, followed by that, you're going to get Tony Khan's AEW Full Gear media scrum. And by the way, I have done a lot of these media scrums now, and I have a system now down that I'm very happy with. But just as Tony Khan 
came to take the stage, my phone decided that it had, had exhausted the memory, uh, the storage on it, and uh, I kept my composure to the best of my abilities, Michael. I pretended like I was still recording so as to not draw <laughs> distract too much attention. Nobody to my... look at my phone screen. Nobody look over here. Nobody see. Nobody look at the beads of sweat shooting out of my head right now. Oh. Um, and I'm like literally deleting files on my phone. I managed to... <laughs> I li- and then it would like record for like five, six minutes and then it would like crap out again and then I'd be like, F, I gotta delete more stuff. <laughs> Tony was... I laugh. I laugh not because... I laugh at your peril, although the way you tell the story is quite humorous. I laugh because we've all been there, right? Like, as a pro wrestling journalist, being in scrums before, recording interviews, if you've Uh, never done this kind of work, like on the street, talking to people work, it's incredibly stressful from that standpoint. Like, the actual conversation is not what stresses me out. It is the, oh, crap, is it I checked the camera 15 times. Is it recording, right? Or if somebody's recording me, I don't feel good until I've watched it back. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, yeah. All right. Well, so short window of time. Like people don't realize that either. But like in a situation like this, it's not like I have hours to set up or whatever, right? It's like, oh shoot, somebody's in the room. We gotta hit record and go. Or when you're doing an interview, they have five minutes for you know these little on the side interviews at conventions or whatever. You right. gotta be quick. I got it. And it's not like it could be like, hey Tony, do you mind going back and kind of like. Saying that again, you know, talk about yeah, that. This room be okay with the wrestle zone. You guys okay if we just do a restart over here? Is that cool? Yeah. So speaking of wrestle zone, I reached out to uh, my former uh, home of pro wrestling news. I'm good friends with the uh, the uh, executive editor over there, Bill Pritchard, and I said, Bill, I am in a bind here. I want to deliver to my listeners here on Tuesday the full audio of this Tony Khan scrum. If I credit you, can I use your audio? And Bill said, Of course, Nick. Because we live in harmony here in the pro wrestling journalism community. So I want to thank Bill and the WrestleZone crew for allowing us to uh, use that bit of audio here so you get the full experience uh, here on the show today. So anyway, Cody pre-media, pre-full gear media call, you'll get that. Then you're going to get Tony. Then you're going to get Chris Jericho's media scrum. Then you're going to get SCU's media scrum. And then you're going to get Adam Page's media scrum. So this show today is probably going to be like three hours long. So, you know, get... If you're on a long road, if you're on an 18-wheeler, you're driving cross-country, this is the show for you today if you're a pro wrestling fan. And if you're just oh somebody gosh. that has three, if you're at the desk, you're you're working, you're pretending to work, right, and you're listening to this show, we, we're going to fill your time up here today. We're going to slam some stuff into your ear holes. Uh, I'm going to plug it, too, since we since we are plugging great content to listen to. I had the opportunity this weekend, of course, Friday night SmackDown. I'm there every Friday night. Um, but Glenn was out, so I got to take over hosting duties. And Raj Geary, a true treat, joined us Friday night. Oh, the man. Presidente um, joined us for SmackDown and then came back on AEW Saturday night. So if you watch the AEW show, we'll talk about it more on this show as well. But check out our post-game show from Saturday night so you get all the kind of in-depth. We talked about it for over an hour. In-depth coverage from me, Matt Morgan, Raj Geary. Okay. Um, and it was fun to step into your shoes every once in a while, Nick, and be the guy hosting, yeah. not being the guy doing the smart-ass remarks on the other side of the microphone. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, take that power. Grab the torch, my friend. Run with it. Um, but uh, you know what? I, I screwed it up here because we are going to give you all that media that I already talked about. But you know what? That's actually not what we're going to play right after the news here today. Right after the news segment today, of course, I have my full interview, my deep dive into full gear with none other than Paul Walterhauser, uh, who's been an Itania, Black Klansman. He's the lead in The Ballad of Richard Jewell, the movie directed by Clint Eastwood that drops on, I think it's December 13th here. Um, he's the lead in this movie, 
And I, it's like, it looks very good. He may get an Oscar nomination or something about this. So we are going to lightly touch on Full Gear here today, Michael. Of course, you've already talked about it on our review show. We'll touch on it lightly here. But right after the news, you're going to get to hear me and Paul. We'll talk a little bit about his movies. He's currently in London filming Cruella for Disney, the live-action yes. remake. He talks about spending his days with Emma Stone and Emma Thompson. What a life. So, uh, Paul, Paul will be... What a weird, what a great oh. show to, what a wonderful show we have here today, Michael. I'm sorry, I, uh, I'm not even reading the run sheet correctly here. I'm so giddy, I'm just kind of popping all over the place. Um, so anyway. We'll what pa- a time to be alive. <laughs> we'll have Paul here, we'll have all those scrums, the pre-show media call. Um, but before we get to the news, a uh, couple notes I wanted to, to put out here at the top. Uh, we do want to send our best out to uh, ECW Original, the queen of extreme Francine. Uh, she's currently laid up in the hospital for uh, unknown reasons at this time, but uh, Francine is a friend of the show. She was on just a couple weeks ago. Uh, very sorry to hear uh, that she's dealing with this. I think she's been in and out of the hospital a couple times um, recently, so uh, we send our best to her. And we also want to send out our regards to the friends and family of independent pro wrestler Matt Tavis. Uh, he passed away over the weekend at the age of 25, very young. Uh, he'd been recently seen on a uh, House of Glory and Game Changer wrestling cards. Uh, I know uh, I was not personally close with Matt, but I know a lot of friends that were are, are very close or were very close with Matt and uh, woke up to some very sad Facebook and, and Twitter messages here over the weekend. So sending our best out to, to everyone involved with those. But with that, let's get it. Let's get to it here, Michael. News you can use. News to leave a bruise. And, uh, you know, we have so much to get to here. But the thing that is still getting the most buzz, that's been the most talked about for the past five days is the fallout from this WWE Saudi Arabia trip, the travel issues there. Uh, we now know more about this backstage meeting where we kind of left off. We knew about the meeting, uh, but we also knew that there was, a dis, uh, there was a disagreement between Seth and Dave Meltzer about the validity of uh, the raw, raw speech he gave. Sounds like that didn't happen. But we do know a lot of other things that seem to have happened in this meeting. Um, I have two different reports here about this meeting. We have uh, Dave Meltzer's latest report about it. And we also have Jerry Lawler's here. So we're going to kind of read through both of these uh, items or both of these recaps of the backstage meeting. We're going to compare notes and kind of come to a consensus here about what we what we think is uh, on the level. And, you know, wh- what does that mean? What, what can we learn and glean from what happened here in this backstage meeting? That sounds like I think I prefaced that pretty well, what we're going to yeah. attempt to do here. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's 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 cra- I mean, we've been talking about this story so much and it's. Since last Monday, I was on the podcast. Since before that, the Friday when all that news was breaking, we've talked about this story for multiple podcasts, but there's still so much more to just kind of digest and process through. And this story doesn't, I don't think it changes anything too dramatically. It just puts more context around it, yeah. which is what I like. Yeah, exactly. Because this is, again, this is a story, you know, we talk about it's been, I think, you know, almost a week and a half now since this all fell out. This is something that's going to be talked about for years. And I have a feeling yep. that every wrestler, uh, production person that is involved in this story, uh, if when they leave the WWE, I have a feeling this is going to be at the top of the list for a lot of exit interviews uh, <laughs> for when they are no longer with the company. If that that is a bold prediction on my part. So years to come. Do Michael. you have any complaints? Right, the HR generals there, right? Do you have any complaints about this? Yes, Saudi Arabia. Now that you don't <laughs> have to worry about them making you watch your wife make out with another man, what happened mm. in Saudi? Come on, tell me what's going on here. So. Mm. Deep cut. Ooh, ouch. Deep cut. All right, here we go. Let's get into it. Um, So the Observer saying that the meeting was held last Monday. Uh, Vince reiterated there were no issues between the company and the officials in Saudi Arabia, uh, and that a mechanical issue prevented the plane from leaving as it was scheduled to. Nothing else, Michael. Vince opened the meeting then to questions from talents, 
nobody asked any questions. <laughs> nobody said anything. And the story given to them on what uh, – nobody said anything about the story being given to them about what happened in the kingdom. There was apparently a feeling that saying anything negative about the story given to them during the meeting wouldn't do anyone any good, and nobody spoke up. Now, again, this is a – that's a really – I want to put a pin real fast. That's a really broad statement to make, I feel. Like whatever source Dave is talking to, obviously it was them and their consensus – but I have heard, obviously, that different people feel different ways about how this meeting went, right? So yeah. I think it's a, a little wrong to maybe paint the whole situation with the broad brush that is immediately painted here. You think that's fair? It, I, I think that's fair. And just to add context, we do this so often when we read statements, remarks, whatever else. We put these inflections and tones on it that may not be there. Small things can be small things. And again, um, this when you read the sentence here, um, there was this feeling of saying anything negative about a story wouldn't do any good. Um, maybe it's not this like, man, there's nothing I can do about it. Maybe it's not this frustrated feeling, or maybe it's just a casual, what's the point of discussing this anymore? We're ready to move on, right? So there's yeah. multiple ways to interpret all of these different news bits sometimes. Yeah, so we do know, uh, well, at least we know from Meltzer here, he says, Randy Orton said something during the meeting, but he was just trying to break the tension by being funny, to which Vince responded, Anybody else just want to kiss my ass? <laughs> I don't always pull the Vince voice out, but that line, I, I had to do it. Um, it's a good line. Yeah. The meeting was just about to wrap up when Triple H called out Carl Anderson for comments he made on Twitter about who would be the locker room leader on Monday. Anderson tweeted out, looking forward to seeing who is the locker room leader on Monday. Popcorn emoji, red heart emoji. Anderson reportedly didn't say much of anything in response. There was apparently more heat to the Anderson situation as he and his wife also joked on Twitter about not going back to Saudi Arabia, but going back because they need a new pool or a second house. He tweeted out, couldn't pay me enough to go back. Well, that's not true. I need a second pool. So to which Anderson's wife responded, second house, not a pool, but don't ever go back again. We don't need our daddy, poppy, mother, lover. Abersendenson, best tag team, etc. Oh, Be Abs Anderson. <laughs> oh, Abs. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That was I had no. I could have been a one of them old puzzles you were staring at. What he those? does have some good Ma abs. The magic know? eye. I was like staring at a magic eye. What is this word? All right. Anyway, he said, uh, "I'll read this back." Uh, but don't ever go back again. We need our dad. We don't need our daddy being held hostage while we're at home, worried to death. Red heart emoji. Um. So uh, this kind of first of all, this kind of reflects what AJ's story was about his family being very worried about what happened here. I think it's also I don't think that they like that hostage word. I think that's maybe yeah. a word that they uh, would prefer not be attached to this situation, right? It implies a certain level of violence that you don't want. But I'm, I'm really confused by, <clears throat> excuse me, Anderson's comments here because. I can't I can't read in where is he just being funny? Where is he being ironic? Where is he being serious, right? Like, I feel like he is kind of calling them out to a certain extent, but then he's also pointing fun at himself for being like, I'm willing to do a lot of things because they pay me a shit ton of money, right? Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, again, you know, I feel like there's a real, I feel like there's a, a bit of a fear. We don't, again, we don't really know what the, that fear is. Is it a, you know, your push? You don't want to seem petty? You know, you don't, you know, we don't really know, but there does seem to be, some kind of weird line that people don't want to cross for any reason at this moment. So anyway, yeah. we'll get to we'll get to that here. We can talk a little bit more about that here. Like he almost stopped short of just completely saying this was a crappy situation, right? He kind of twists it in a way where he can say that but still be ironic about it. anyway, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, the uh, United States champion AJ Styles, he also spoke up at the meeting. He didn't say much. He just said he was very unhappy because the delay in the kingdom caused him to miss uh, one of his son's wrestling matches. Rusev also spoke some and he mostly thanked Mark Carano 
WWE Senior Director of Talent Relations, uh, for his work in quickly getting hotel rooms booked for everyone while they waited for a flight to the U.S. Uh, by the way, the Sun UK has spoken to Rusev here in the past five days. An interview came out where he, he was asked if he would go back, and he said he would absolutely go back. And they asked him why he included that line about, you know, we could use all the prayers we could get right now, brother. And he, attrib- he attributed that prayers remark to his father, who's a pastor. So he's always just looking for prayers when he's in a bad spot, Michael. That's mm. all. Mm. Hmm. <laughs> so- Rusev is a strange – I don't huh. – how do you get a read on this dude? And Rusev's a great talent. Let's not no lose kidding. sight of that. But what's real with him? What's not real with him? Was he know. was he actually scared? His wife's out there making out with another man. Like this is just a weird comment. Yeah. So anyway, lastly, here from Meltzer's report, no one spoke out uh, any about anything negatively, but there were some remarks about how at times during the debacle, the talents did not have access to Wi-Fi and were unable to contact their families. I would guess exacerbating the situation of what is going on if you can't hear from somebody, right? So Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, then let's flip over here to what Jerry Lawler had to say on the Jerry Lawler Show's new podcast. Uh, he, had mo- he had more to say on this backstage meeting. He said that, you know, he was not in Saudi, but he did say that all the talent he's spoken to have said it was the worst travel experience of their life and that everything that could go wrong did go wrong. He noted that the wrestlers are notoriously bad at spreading gossip and rumors, and they'll make stuff up. And it'll get spread around as quickly as possible. Tell a friend, telephone, tell a wrestler. That is the old line here in the pro wrestling business. Uh, he noted that talent were concerned during the flight delays that there was more going on than the, what they were told. And that there was a lack of communication with the talent. Now, Lawler said that when he got to the arena for Raw, there was a sign for a talent meeting at 3 p.m. I love the details here. Now, Lawler said... That when he gets there, he usually tries to avoid meetings. I don't like, which is such a great Lawlerism. I don't like meetings. I don't like work. I don't like prep. I want to go in the back. I want to draw Superman, and I want to get ready for the show. All right. So he tries to avoid meetings, but he did decide to attend this one after he found out what happened, and there were so many conspiracy theories being spread around. So here he is. Lawler gets into the room. He's taking this all at face value. He says at the meeting, Vince McMahon took the microphone. And he addressed the situation. So right away, we know with Meltzer's report, Vince did speak to the uh, to the roster, it would seem, right? Which is important mm. to note here because, again, it's like who talked to who. Seth didn't, but he said he did. So we do know that Vince did actually address the, the roster here, it looks like. And, it's, and it, it also shows to a certain extent that Vince McMahon took all of this seriously enough. Now, whether you want to call it a cover-up and they're trying to sweep this under the rug and just do good PR for their locker room, whatever it is, Vince recognized that this was a bad enough situation that he needed to say something um, to the entirety of that roster. So Vince said, guys, we've all been doing this. We've all been in this business for a while. We've all experienced some travel issues in the past. But I can honestly say that in all the years that I've been in this business, I've never seen this many travel issues happen at one time with a plane. McMahon and the talent arrived at the airport at the same time last Thursday night after Crown Jewel to leave for Saudi Arabia. Now, McMahon's jet departed first and 175 staff and talent were left on a larger charter plane that, of course, didn't depart until the following day. Now, here's what McMahon detailed as the cause of the delay for the flight he said the first problem was that the tug that was supposed to pull the plane away from uh, was the tug that was supposed to pull the plane away from the gate after that there was a problem with the manifest with the weight of the plane because of the amount of people on board now the issues were apparently not being explained to the talent properly and um, this kind of brings back to my memory here when randy orton was talking about um, on his gaming channel how there was a fuel truck 
in the middle of the in front of them that wasn't moving. He's like, well, that's kind of weird. Why wouldn't it move? I think that fuel truck may have been this tug that was not moving on the tarmac. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. So, like, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to pare the details off of what we know from what we've all read here. Because it was a weird situation where he was like, the driver was gone, but yeah. um, yeah, that could have been the tug, which actually is a place out there, not just sitting out there randomly like uh, the original story implied. Right. So they're maybe thinking it's a fuel line problem when it's actually a tug problem, and they don't know a tug from a fuel truck because who would? All right. Who would, right? <laughs> I mean, they couldn't access Wikipedia because they had no Wi-Fi. Uh, AJ Styles is like, you know, I'm actually a certified pilot here. It's easy to get <laughs> your uh, pilot's degree when you just understand the world is flat, right? And you just kind of, right. you know... Anyway, uh, when the manifest issue came up, the pilot said that they were being delayed and it was just something beyond their control that they're trying to get fixed. After the issue, with the amount of weight on the plane, they had to put on more fuel since it was a nonstop flight. And then when they finally added the additional fuel and the tanks were full, a sensor set off indicating that there was a problem with a piece of equipment that would transfer the fuel from one engine to the other in the event that one went out. Lawler noted that it was nighttime and there was nowhere in Saudi Arabia to get this piece of equipment. So they had to fly it in from Germany, which was about a six-hour flight, to put it into the plane so that they could take off. The staff and talent have been sitting on the plane for six hours, not knowing what it's going on. Finally, they were told that they were going to deplane and check into a hotel. Early that morning, everyone was put back into buses. It was still pitch dark outside. They were driven to a different airport because the plane had to be moved from the original airport so that it could be worked on. There was also an issue with the, at the time with the time limits that the pilot could fly, which we talked about last week, I believe. So for the final flight, they had to get two different pilots for the original flight. The talent then finally got on the plane, returned to the U.S. Vince said to everybody, guys, I've never seen anything like this. I'm sure you've never seen anything like it and hopefully we'll never experience like anything like it again. We'll always have the travel people stay with talent. They'll be the last people to leave. We'll always take care of this. Vince and those guys got out of the jet, got out on his jet thinking all of the talent was going to be right behind him, so he didn't have a clue any of this was going on. Vince went through everything that went wrong, addressed the conspiracy theories, saying nothing like that happened. There could be nothing further from the truth. He said that, as a matter of fact, our relationship with the Saudi government and the prince is at an all-time high. At the talent meeting, Lawler noted that AJ Styles and Carl Anderson were the only two talents who voiced their concern, which, again— pairs with the Meltzer piece, so that does seem to be something of fact here. Uh, AJ said, I'll be honest with you, man, we were just minutes away from going off and something bad happened. All I'm thinking is that I'm supposed to be at home playing ball with my son right now uh, instead of here stuck in Saudi Arabia. Nobody explained to me why. Now, Meltzer said, wrestling match. It sounds here. AJ said, play ball, whatever. Little discrepancy. Uh, Lawler said that everybody understands what happened now and that those issues will be fixed in the future. McMahon also said they were no longer used. Atlas Air, who issued a public statement apologizing for the incident. Full mm. stop. Full <laughs> stop. <clears throat> so that's everything. That's the whole Meltzer report. That's the Lala report. Like I said, we tried to point out things that, that paired up and, and seemed to be certifiable fact. There were other little discrepancies. Um, but but this seems to be the meat and potatoes of what happened in this meeting. What are your takeaways from that, Michael? Well, I would say a couple of things here. You mentioned the play ball statement. He could have just been using the things, the phrase AJ Styles. I was supposed to be playing ball with my son. I got to go to wrestling match this weekend. So maybe that's not a discrepancy as much as it is just a different phrasing. Sure, sure. Um, but but yeah, so this is oddly specific. And what I will say is flight delays don't surprise me. And you talk about all the things that went wrong here, which does sound like a lot, but they kind of link together. So that's either a great narrative that somebody has developed to cover up the real story, which I guess if you believe that could be a thing that happened, or it is a logical sequence of events that actually happened that played off of one another. It's a lot. 
And, um, the only thing, you know, the only a little thing, bit unbelievable, the, but... The only tidbit here that is still largely unaddressed is why the feed got cut in Saudi Arabia, right? right? I mean, I think, you know, it, I don't want to go so far as to say cover-up. I don't want to, I you know, I don't want to... This is the story as it is right now. I will follow the facts. I still consider this very much an open, fluid story. But as of now, this is the story we have. But what we don't have anything is the story as to why this feed was cut off. Now, you know, I think we had heard earlier that Vince had addressed in the meeting. It didn't come up here that it was like at the request of the Saudi government, but it was also reported by Hugo Savinovich that this was retaliation from Vince and that there was money owed. And part of that from Hugo's story did turn out to be a little bit true as they were collecting on money owed later for shows that expected. And that that's in their quarterly results there, right there. Right. I was said the September 30th payment or whatever it was, right. was, not for anything in particular other than past money, right? It wasn't for, for this show. or So, again, that's a little bit of a weird situation. Yeah, why was the feed cut? Why was the show shown on delay? Vince says that an all-time high, but that those kinds of rumors are not addressed. And I know that Hugo Savinovich is the one who kind of brought a lot of those things to the light. Right. Other people, it seemed like, were saying it right around the same time. So there's still a little bit of an open book on yeah. that side of the equation. Um, I, I will say flight delays happen, right? I've been in flight delays. I've been delayed never overnight. I don't recall maybe once I was late overnight, but, but typically, you know, it is a few hours to have flight delays happen is not shocking. It's just a bad situation over for them not to have access to Wi-Fi. not entirely shocking, but when you put it in the context of the show was delayed and we don't know why it does open that book up and maybe to conspiracy theories, maybe it's not true, but that's still an unanswered question to your point that, that I have. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, again, fluid story. will keep you up to date. Uh, those were just the latest updates we had on that story there. So, uh, and I do I, appreciate McMahon saying, and again, if he's covering the story up, of course, he's going to go out of his way to make talent feel better. So couch that as you will. But I do appreciate him saying that we'll always have the travel people stay with the talent. They'll be the last people to leave. Um, you know, that's you got to take care of the people. And I, I've said it before. I do believe Vince Say what you will about workers' rights and all that kind of stuff. I do think he's just – I think Vince is very old school, but I also think he does have personal relationships with these wrestlers. You hear about the way that certain guys have talked about him over the years that – you know, him and Jericho before, right? He does care about these people. Maybe it doesn't show up with uh, – you get health care, you get time off, all that kind of stuff. But there is a certain concern he has for his talent, and um, I, I appreciate him addressing that in this situation. Yes. So, uh, we'll, again, fluid story. Now, I wanted to pivot here. We're going to talk about AEW NXT um, week six here. But there was this funny tidbit here that I thought we could pivot with. Uh, that is that Chris Jericho on his latest podcast shared the following story about Vince McMahon. He said, I remember one time Vince told me they were watching some concert or something at Trump, New Jersey, whatever it was called, whatever the arena was called, Trump Arena. And Vince is sitting there with Linda, Donald, and all the heads of state. And Vince lit up a joint. And Trump was like, you can't smoke that joint in here. And Vince goes, I just did. <laughs> now, I just it like, must be awesome to be a powerful white dude in America. Huh? No kidding, Michael. <laughs> but also, it's like I heard for years that like weed was like a big no-no in WWE, and people were getting in trouble for it. It seems like that stance has grossly changed here. I'm wondering if Vince is, you know, you just get older, your joints start to hurt. Somebody said maybe you should try this, and. Maybe this is maybe that's it. Maybe Vince is smoking the smoking the dope now when he's writing all these shows, and that's why we get some of this stuff we see. Oh my gosh! Right. It is the way of the country. I mean, they say marijuana will be legalized across the entire states by what? Well, depending on what happens in Washington by like twenty thirty or twenty twenty five, right? Like yeah. it's it's happening. And I I, yeah. I also think that companies shouldn't drug test for weed because it you're gonna 
test for alcohol. But anyway, yeah, uh, anyway. another 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 discussion for the day. Yes, I am also very pro marijuana, and this story just made me laugh. And uh, that'll also, be on our upcoming podcast. But, and Nick and I are going to spin off of this yeah. one called the Winkly Political Edition. Yeah, isn't it a little surprise? I mean, like, I guess you know when the story like this flares up, and it's gotten picked up by so many media events. The the Saudi story, right? I found it on Fox Business, and they're still talking about Hugo Savinovich's story, like it's like a piece of firsthand knowledge right like this is this story is still going i don't want to pretend like it's not flourish it's still going out there there's new articles being written about it every day where people are still taking bits and pieces of all these stories and coming up with their own line it's just i don't know it's a little odd to me that there's this story about a Amer- uh, 175 americans that like may or may not have been held against their will and nobody's going to look into it we're all just going to accept the line and it's again it's like you think about how close you know WWE is with with the politics of today, right? And how much America does have an interest in a relationship with Saudi Arabia. So I don't I don't know that we're I, you know I'm just throwing out some facts, um, but I wonder one day when we do get the full story here, you know what kind of what what did play out? For, you know what what is not being said right now? Where is everything being said right now? You know? Yeah. So. Well, it should be. I mean. Saudi, this is a big story internationally because Saudi Arabia is one of those countries that is trying to come into its own and be this kind of new economic force and and their economic force historically, but also a new cultural force. At the same time, a year ago, right, they murdered an American journalist. So that is not that long ago. And there should be some concern when Americans cannot get out of a country, even if it is for actual reasons, somebody should look into that. Um, you know, talk about the political things behind the scenes and how we're trying to build up the relationship. But yeah, it should be a concern, and we should be talking about it until all of the facts are out. Yeah, and uh, again, I think this one's going to go on for years. Lots of exit interviews on the horizon. So anyway, uh, let's get over here to viewership for AEW NXT Week 6. Uh, Showbuzz Daily saying AEW Dynamite drew 822,000 viewers, and NXT drew 813,000 viewers. AEW just edged out NXT in the viewership by 1.1%. This is NXT's best number since its two-hour premiere on October 2nd. This was AEW's second lowest number for Dynamite behind Week 5, which averaged 759,000. That was also the one head-to-head with the World Series. Now, AEW drew a 0.35 rating in the 18-49 to demo. NXT did an 0.30, so not far off. And last week's AEW episode drew a uh, 0.33 demo. So, Oh, and NXT's drew point. 018. So AEW a little bit up in that key demo there. NXT uh, almost up double from the week before in that key demo. Now, of course, they did a lot with NXT on Raw and SmackDown here leading into this. So, you know, I think everybody expected to see it go up, but I wasn't expecting it to be this close. This is a this is a real horse race now. It's a it's a big win for NXT. It really shows how I've been puzzled by this for for weeks. Why has WWE not doubled down on promoting NXT on both Raw and SmackDown? They've treated it like its own brand and its own thing. But yeah, you should still cross promote the damn thing. So I'm happy to see that they did it. And they did it right on the previous week's SmackDown. They gave all these NXT talents big win. These guys came back on Raw. And yes, viewers, who are these guys? I want to know more about so and so. I want to more know know more about. All of these fellas with championships that I've not seen before, and they tuned in on Wednesday nights. It paid off. What I'm also interested in, you talk about how close this this, this horse race is now. Um, it does seem like NXT was able to grow without siphoning off too much of AEW's audience. And there's a lot of, you know, they're down below their million numbers. But NXT had room to go up, and I, I think that's a fascinating dynamic as well because now they're competing for that same 18 to 49 demographic. And, um, you know, at some point... 
I would think if NST keeps going bigger, AEW's ratings might drop as a result, but uh, but who knows? And, and again, AEW also, I think they'll bounce back this week because they're coming off a pay-per-view. So um, What do you think? NXT- I mean, are we going to see both these shows over a million viewers here se- sooner than later? I mean, I really feel like this is exactly what this Wednesday night has needed. It needed to feel close. It needs to feel sure. like a fight. And it has felt like an ass-kicking up till now. And it is nice to see NXT doing some things to put some fire behind it, bring in some star power, create this overarching storyline where NXT is kind of like the inner circle of WWE right now, just kind of running roughshod over everybody. So, uh, yeah, I, I think they're doing a lot of things right here. Dynamite's doing a lot of things right, too. That Cody promo was great. I think there's a lot of buzz. Uh, say what you will about the Moxie Omega match. You know, a lot of buzz around that. You know, more buzz coming out of full gear. I wonder how close both these shows get to around a million viewers tomorrow night. I honestly think that AEW is going to go up. I don't know that I think NXT is going to go up, but only because I think AEW will pull back in some viewers after a pay-per-view and yeah. after a you know pretty well-received pay-per-view overall. I think NXT, you know, these Raw and SmackDown shows since last week's have not been that strong. The NXT talent they've had on there have mostly lost, which I think is not the right way to handle all these guys, putting them out there and having them lose, even if it's in closed matches. So I think some of that buzz will die down. Um, yeah, I, I think we're looking at maybe around uh, 925,000 viewers for AEW, and I think NXT gets just below 800,000, maybe 795. All right. Well, I am always very wrong, so I'm not even going to try to guess. In my opinion, Me too. <laughs> in my opinion, I'm always like, everyone's going up. There's a, Unless there's like a really bad drought, then, you know, you know, call what you will. But I'm impressed with the buzz around both products right now yeah. on Wednesday night. And again, you know, Wednesday night's becoming the night for wrestling fans here right now, and I think that that... That that snowball is running down the hill right now for both companies. You know, I, I hope that they both get to keep this momentum up because this could be this could become that really fun time for pro wrestling that so many people have been begging for here for a while now. It seems like it's we're almost there. So I mean, Tony Khan pointed this out in his post post media scrum, which is if anything, we talk about viewership and ratings being down for AEW from their peak, but. They have changed the conversation to now Wednesday nights are the nights to watch pro wrestling. Raw and SmackDown are still out there. We watch them all, right, because we cover the sport. But fans should tune in to Wednesday nights because that's where all the buzz is. And AEW is pulling strong numbers in that 18 to 49 demographic. Uh, well, uh, Wrestling Observer here has a note about uh, NXT Women's Champion Shayna Baszler. Apparently, before this whole thing, the, the leap from NXT to USA happened, they were grooming her for a major role as a major star on the main roster in 2020. Um, with uh, NXT's move to USA, of course, everything's out the window in regards to plans for NXT stars as more top stars are going to be kept on the brand. But WWE is reportedly very, very high on Baszler in part due to her dominant women's title reign and plans for her on the main roster were significant um now they shana they've done a great job bringing her over getting in the face of becky lynch i think they have wonderful chemistry i think she's going to make a real statement here um uh, at, at at war games as well uh shana baszler yeah just i just want to make a note they have big plans for her and i think she feels like a big star right now i think she is somebody that people are that i think her and a lot of the women's division is one of the things that's helping nxt find momentum Absolutely. She's got a certain look. She has a certain credibility with her MMA background. And while I think she's still young in the sport, um, she's doing a lot of things right and being put in the right positions. I know they've also teased that connection with her and Ronda Rousey, and and that's interesting. But I think her spot is here on NXT. Um, you know, there's a lot of great – Bianca Belair is fantastic. A lot of great talent down there in NXT that she can still work with moving forward. I would personally love to see them put the Kabuki Warriors on NXT full-time because I think they add a different dynamic. But that, in my opinion, you put those two down there, that women's roster on NXT could be the best out of all three shows right now. 
Um, well, uh, let's go over to AEW. Last week was their go-home show of Dynamite. Uh, PW Insider reporting that everyone backstage was really thrilled with how the show came across. This was their first go-home show. Uh, they drew around 5,000 fans for it. Now, there were some photos circulating on social media showing that there was a lot of empty seats. Um, a lot of those photos, by the way, that I see, if I don't see anybody in the ring, and I can tell it's like an hour before showtime, like, I will immediately discard them. But uh, there were, I, there was one shot, I think, of a match going on that looked a little thin, but... Look, if they threw 5,000, that's still a very good crowd. And I know there was a lot of doom and gloom going into full gear this past weekend. But when I showed up there, man, by the time the show started, it was like 85% full, you know? And I think yeah. that a lot of that, too, was attributed to the interest coming out of the go-home show. I think Cody cut a hell of a promo. I think Jericho got a lot of buzz with Soul Train Jones. And, uh, you know, who doesn't want to watch Kenny Omega and, and, and John Moxley kill each other? So, anyway. There's, there's, um, the light. I mean, yeah, they're doing a lot of things right, and it may not be able to sell out tons of arenas. People aren't going to arena shows as much anymore, I don't think. Charlotte is a wrestling town here, North Carolina. It's about an hour from the house. I couldn't go, unfortunately, because I had other plans. But yeah, this is the kind of thing where, yeah, they didn't sell out the entire arena, but they were still able to pull off a show and bring in five thousand people while being on the road for a just a normal weekly show. I think that's a testament to the strength of that brand. Um, and uh, let's uh, let's jump over here to uh, full gear now. Again, we're gonna have a, there's like an almost an hour long conversation between me and Paul Walter Hauser that we're gonna get into here. So I don't really feel like I want to give uh, too many thoughts here. I'll kick it to you here in a second to to let me know what you thought of the show. But I will point out uh, that AEW has issued the following injury update on Cody. He took a big face first dive into the ramp. He's got eight stitches and a costochondral separation. He is not hmm. cleared. We're in ring action at this time. Omega tweeted out the following after his brutal bout with John Max Moxley. He said, I lost and the doctors won't clear me for TV. The problem is that you left me alive and I'll be back. I win it. Hashtag AEW full gear. Hashtag AEW. So uh, those were the only two news bits that Paul and I don't get into coming out of the show. What'd you think, Michael? How'd you think full gear came across? I'll keep it short and sweet. I will tell you, I thought the women's match on the main roster um, on the main card uh, did not engage the fans. How did that come across? being there in the arena nick well the, i i think that the crowd was I, being in it it felt like a fun fun crowd with some energy definitely more energy than like raw tapings and stuff that i would go to i mean it felt like i was at like a takeover type show i keep hearing that it didn't really translate on tv and i think you know i don't want to you know I, I get into this a little bit with paul in the interview too but there is something i think to be said about how many shows they've done in that market and mm -hmm. how the fans there it's not their first rodeo so they kind of you know they're not on their heels for everything there there's an expectation now from them and so i think they were engaged i think they they were giving reactions when they uh when there were bigger things but you know they, these fans have all largely the fans that were there had seen an aew show by this point sure yeah i enjoy i enjoy going to pro wrestling events in general i have a fun time at live ones NXT, uh, AEW's pulled off some great ones. Went to a WWE show recently that was not a TV show. That was great. So all of that to be said, I really enjoyed watching this from home. I think the top of that card was great. Um, I think there were some great matches in between. I think the women's match on the main card was fine, but it didn't have the excitement that I would want from that division right now. And so that was disappointing. I know the main event was divisive in its level of violence, but I really dug the hell out of it. And I'm not a classic combat zone wrestling or extreme deathmatch kind of person, I still enjoyed what Moxley and Omega did. I enjoyed the presentation beforehand. The pre-show was not what WWE does. They did more storytelling like an ESPN documentary, which I thought was very engaging and told the right beats. Um, so, yeah, I think it was all in all. People are saying, is it their best show? It's not their best show, whatever else. I, we're comparing, you know, 
I think we're just getting this era where, we're, oh, which one's first, which one's second, which one's third? And I don't think it matters. I think AEW delivered on their promise. Not every match was the best match of all time, but it was a complete card with some really interesting storytelling beats coming out of it. And the matches all had a certain level of variety. So um, I give them props for a, another great experience uh, from AEW. Um, and then uh, we have a Kenny Omega note here. A wrestling observer that reporting that Kenny Omega wrestled at DDT Ultimate Party 2019 last weekend in Tokyo, Japan, so the weekend before Full Gear. Uh, Omega was apparently stopped from going into the country for the show. Now, uh, Dave Meltzer noted that this is the third time this has happened to him since he has left New Japan Pro Wrestling earlier this year. He also added that there was even an attempt to have Omega banned from the country for 10 years. <laughs> Omega ultimately was able to get in. He teamed up with AEW's champion Rayo at the show to defeat uh, Antonio Honda and Miyu Yamashata. Uh, Omega alluded to travel issues after he landed, tweeting, Somehow I've made it. See you all soon. How bizarre, man. New, J- New Japan, I don't think they're very, I don't think that, I don't think the relationship very good between New Japan and the elite, if I had to guess. <laughs> <laughs> it really adds some some color to the comments a few weeks ago from the Young Bucks about how they don't see themselves doing business with New Japan Pro Wrestling anytime soon, very definitively, right? Yes. But how can you get somebody banned from an entire country? Like this is Japan's this not is... huge. New Japan's big business there, man. They they got money. <laughs> They're a very successful business, man. And if people are messing with their business, I don't know, man. I... Build a wall to keep Kitty Omega out, I guess, huh? Yeah, well, you know, I don't think relations are very good between these two promotions, if I had to guess Uh-oh. right now. Uh lastly <laughs> here, uh AEW news. Uh well, I guess I'll have one one more bit here later, but uh, I caught up with Orange Cassidy. At Starcast, uh, I did a live stream um, on our Twitter feed because I didn't really know what to expect from Orange. I thought it'd be a special treat. Um, well, I talked to him, and one of the questions I asked him if he would be in the AEW World Title picture, he said probably. Talks about <laughs> rooming. Talks about rooming with his, his. He talks about being roommates with Chuck Taylor right now. Um, anyway, we're gonna play the full audio tomorrow on the show because we just have so much today. I'm gonna play it tomorrow. But if you want to watch the video, it's up on our YouTube channel. It's over on, on Twitter as well if you want to see the original live feed. We have transcriptions up on the site as well. But, man, this thing, I, um, I'm i not very cool, Michael. I don't really know what's going on most days in the world of pop culture. But Raj hit me up, and he said, your Orange Cassidy video is on the top of Reddit right now. <laughs> and I was like, I think that's good. And I hit up Liz, my girlfriend. She's a big Redditor. <laughs> Like, You're like, what is Reddit? I think I'm cool. I think I did it with Orange Cassidy. Can so, I get on Green It as well? Yeah, that? yeah. So this went really well. This is a, this is a thing that's gone viral. So I want to thank Orange for the time. And probably that's his word. That was what he said. He'll be in the AEW World Title picture. Can you imagine AEW World Champion Orange Cassidy? Literally cannot. Did, did, I didn't watch this interview from you. I watched literally every other interview you did yeah. all week long. Did not watch this one. Sure. Uh, did he actually answer your questions? Yeah. What? Yeah, he gave me like one, one, one two-word answers. And I was really peppering him, too, about what his home life with Chuck Taylor's about. They have like board games nights and stuff like that. And so anyway, you can watch it. Uh, yeah, we didn't send it to you because it was a live stream. I didn't do a pre-tape. And so Raj just pulled it off the Periscope and then put it up on our YouTube channel. And nice. it's it, it's existing on our Twitter feed right now, so go watch it. You check it out too. It's pretty funny. Uh, all right, uh, let's get over to Showbuzz Daily here. They got more uh, viewership info. SmackDown last week they drew an average of two point six one million viewers. This is up three point six percent 
From the last SmackDown, which did 2.52 with a .8 rating in the 18 to 49 demo, this week's did a .9 in that demo. Uh, of note, this was a pre-tape from London. And uh, usually those pre-tapes, because everybody's got the spoilers out of line, maybe there's a little dip. I think that the word got out that the New Day were going to win the titles on this. I think there were some people tuning in for that. But a, a win here for WWE. Two weeks in a row, SmackDown, viewership goes up. You do a good show. And again, do a great wrestling show the week before. People will tune back in the next week if you have those viewers. And that's exactly what happened here. Yep, let's see it. Let's go into SmackDown here. New Day, they did win the titles. They're going to be the, they are now the seven time tag champs, I believe. They're going to take on the Viking Raiders and the Undisputed Era at Survivor Series. We had the Fiend. He attacked Daniel Bryan. That set up their feud. They're probably going to go to Survivor Series. Imperium and Walter, they debuted, took on Seth Rollins. Big brawl after that match there. Sasha Banks, she got a new Snoop Dogg entrance theme. Randy Orton. He bought a timeshare in Ricochet's mind. And uh, Team Raw, Team SmackDown, Survivor Series uh, uh, for the women, that has also been announced as well. So uh, there was six news items here. You know, what's what, have it, what grabbed you the most coming out of the show? Uh, New Day winning that championship is interesting. I feel like New Day is not kind of the same place they were a while back, so I'm hoping it leads to something between Kofi and Big E. Um, otherwise, it was a fine show. It was not the kind of show it was the week before, but it was awesome to see Imperium on the main roster. It made a lot of sense for that crowd. And uh, Sasha Banks' new entrance song is fantastic. Yeah, and so uh, Walter came out, and uh, Liz, my girlfriend, she has a master's in music, and I don't think she'd ever watch Walter come out, and she like popped up because I guess it's... D- D- Dvorak, mm-hmm. composer, he wrote Walter's theme song. Hmm. So, oh. she, so she's a big, she, then she talked to me about D- 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 <laughs> Dvorak for like a couple minutes. And I, there's a series in there. I feel like the theory of pro wrestling entrance themes, like, can she write that for us? Maybe. I don't know. She did pop for that. She pops that. And she popped for the flight of the Valkyries one for Daniel Bryan. Anytime there's classical music of pro wrestling, she like kind of perks yeah. up a little bit. Um, anyway, of note also from SmackDown, uh, we were also in the scrums this past weekend at Starcast. I live streamed those. So you probably didn't watch those either. I'm guessing, uh, uh, I did not. Yeah, Arne, Yeah, there was dude. There was so much content. We had Arne Anderson in the scrums, but we also had Eric Bischoff, my former podcast co-host. Uh, this is probably the first time Eric and I have really exchanged sentences here in about two years. Uh, but I was in the pit there, and I wanted to know from Eric while I had my shot: Was it true that he was brought on to work with the Fox executives, and how hands-on was he with that? Because I hadn't really heard him talk about it. And he wanted to make it clear that that was not something that had been relayed to him as part of his job when he came into the company, though he did admit that he – or not admit, but he did say he worked with Fox executives as part of his job. Um, Hmm. And he also – I also asked him um, about what Conrad had brought up on the show last week, which is that he'd like to see Eric doing commentary somewhere, and he kind of gave a been there, done that kind of response. I got a very I'm not doing that kind of answer (laughs) from Eric. So – uh, just a couple notes there for Bischoff coming out of it. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if that's news. He's a strange bird. <laughs> you can go watch the live stream. It's over on our Twitter feed. And then the video's up on YouTube as well. So, And you can leave a comment on the tweets and things like that and like it and give us hearts and all that. I did watch the Bischoff one. Were you guys doing the scrums in a hallway? Yes, we were doing the – it was the hallway right off the main stage. So it was just, there oh. was the stage like to my – so yeah, to my left would have been two people or five people sitting on stage doing the stage shows, and then we were just in kind of the wings there talking to talent that it was kind of coming and going in that direction. Because uh, at StarCast 3, they had us in that bunker, remember? Like, we had to go down the stairs, yes. and, like, it was secretive. Oh, it's interesting. Yeah, this was a little different. Um, but, uh, yeah. no, and by the way, I want to give a big – I want to give big props to Derek and CU Communications, the team that works with the media at the StarCast events. They are uh, – that Derek in particular, what a hustler. They yeah. do such a great job of making sure that – 
uh, we get access to talent uh, that we can create content with, and we all have a very good time, and everybody feels uh, very welcome there. And I just want to give a props to, to Derek and, of course, Conrad for running everything and, and Dave Silva. But Derek is a really good guy. He does a great job with the media at those events. Um, all right, let's move over to Raw. Uh, Seth Rollins is named the new or is named the team captain for Team Raw. There's going to be a Raw SmackDown NXT Survivor Series match. Uh, Raw will also have Orton, Ricochet, Kevin Owens, and Drew McIntyre. So we're going to have 15 guys at ringside. I guess <laughs> it's one of those get everybody on the roster out there kind of matches, isn't it? Man, yeah. So we are we don't know who's on Team SmackDown or NXT yet. The women's match. It looks like it's just going to be Raw and SmackDown because I'm guessing all the women are going to be beat. The top name women are going to be beat from TakeOver the night before. They're going to have that War Games match. Yeah. Um, but I guess with NXT, you know, it's they've teased Walter now. Maybe all of Imperium plus, plus one. <laughs> you know? This is the interesting thing to me here is we're doing this pay-per-view, right? Cross-branded. I'm glad they're including NXT. But we're also still getting an exclusive branded NXT pay-per-view the night before. This is the last I, one. I, this is just because they scheduled it. I don't – yeah, yeah. This, this is the last time we'll see this, I think. So, mm. end of an era. Oh, you crushed my heart there. End of an era. We're moving on to the whatever War of the Worlds thing they're doing now where they get all, every, all the brands together to do whatever – shows the night before <laughs> whatever the world <laughs> my brains my brain tom cruise shows up i need to i need, to move, Wells. I need to move along here my brain started to crap out on me we got a lot of stuff more to get to um uh, also from raw carolina uh, the observer reporting the carolina catalina i never got right what they wanted to call her the masked luchadora she's already gone from raw she was apparently brought in only to work with uh, selena vega uh andrada and vega defeated her and sincara in a mixed tag on raw Last Monday, with that feud over, she's not needed. She's going to go back down to NXT. And her partner there, Sin Cara, he lost to Drew McIntyre on Raw. Now, this was a pre-tape. This was taped with SmackDown here, and it aired on Monday night. Um, and on Monday, Sin Cara, who had already lost to Drew, right, and had been losing to Andrade, it sounds like, on the European tour, he shared a note on Twitter letting everybody know that he had uh, asked WWE for his release. He noted that he just doesn't really see himself succeeding at the level that he would like to see himself at. Uh, PW Insider reporting that the word going around is that uh, Sin Cara has three years left on his WWE contract. It's also said that Cara, who is close with Alberto El Patron, is interested in going to work for Combates America, uh, the MMA promotion that features several pro wrestlers, and Alberto is affiliated with it. It looks like Cara, though, is going to remain under contract to WWE for the next three years as word going around is that WWE officials are not going to grant his release request at this time. Furthermore, Sin Cara was scheduled to go on to WWE TV at the end of the current European tour, but now now plans have changed. He's going to be going home instead of going to next Monday's Raw in Boston, Massachusetts. And, I, it, I mean, it looks like they're going to just run the clock out with this guy. You know, if you're not working and you're not having merchandise produced for you, all those other back-end ways that you can increase what you're making with the company, they go away. You're going to get your downside guarantee, but you won't be able to work elsewhere, at least as a wrestler, what an what an interesting spot here for Sin Cara. How, what do you think happens here with this guy? I mean, it, it just causes your brand to crash. I mean, Sin Cara got brought in with a lot of fanfare, right? Back in the day, obviously, the actual performer has changed behind the mask um, since then. But, yeah, this guy, he's people don't really talk about him that much anymore. People don't. Yeah, but I mean, I, here in America. Independent contractor agreements are not as strong as employee contracts and i do wonder i keep waiting for one of these guys or maybe him and bennett to get together and really press them on this because i if sure. they're not going to allow you to work and you're obviously unhappy for whatever reason i don't know i, I don't know i feel like i feel like it would make for a very interesting legal case in a courtroom and i've heard that from other 
people that know the law much better than me as well. Well, there's some theory, if you read behind it, that it wouldn't hold up because what they're actually doing, these kind of non-compete clauses and everything like that are so expansive for what a contract status is considered in America. Right. Um, and three years is insane. Right. Like, I, I, that, I mean, his downside, what do you think his downside is? Do you have any idea? I mean, I don't want to speculate, but I would guess Can't be that. Yeah. 80, 85 to 100, no. 120? Compared yeah. to what he could make as an actual performer week in and week out, it does not. And, and you mentioned merchandise sales. Yeah. 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 So uh, we shall see. The saga of Sin Cara has begun. And it made me wonder, too, what happened with Mike Bennett. He put out his his thing where he wanted to, to be released. Did we ever find out if he's still with the company or if that was granted? I don't think so, I right? I have not heard. Well, we know that Lana inherited her storyline. So uh, let's talk about here. Is about... Maria still looking for her baby daddy? Is that what's happening? <laughs> you should call up Lana. They get it together. They be <laughs> detectives, baby detectives. Uh, so a Twitter user tweeted that they would be happy if WWE dropped this love triangle storyline between Rusev, Lana, and Bobby Lashley, to which Rusev replied, Dear guy, nobody cares what you are good with. <laughs> um, AEW's Jack Hager then retweeted Rusev and gave him advice that included both w leaving both wwe and lana as he wrote leave her and that asshole company hashtag i'm with AEW." so uh yeah this was a one of the most traffic things in the past i would say top five articles on the site of the past five days was just jack hager directly saying to rusev leave your wife and the place you work and come over here wrestling AEW. we'll have a great time over here what a mess you think he actually wants them to leave his like his actual wife or just the storyline version of his Here, wife. But here's the thing, okay, Michael. Here's here's what I'm upset about with this. All right, and it's very very selfish. So like two weeks ago, I tweeted out, "Who is this storyline intended for? Who is who is this? Who is enjoying this? Who is this being written for?" Right, and it got like like over 700 likes and a bunch of retweets, and it became this buzzy thing. Last week, I went to go check on a, a Rusev tweet that came up on one of our stories. He blocked me, man. I'm blocked by Rusev now. Hmm. Because he didn't. It does feel like he's oddly on the side of WWE with the storyline. Yeah, kind dude. Of, uh... Yes, it does. Anyway, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 no. You're good. I, I just, I think it's strange. He's with it. Lana is going, I mean, they're both solid talents. I really like Rusev. I think Lana has a lot to offer as well. Um, Bobby Lashley, great performer inside the ring. Um, you know, so all this kind of together, I'm surprised that they are so in favor of this because it does feel like a storyline the fans are outright rejecting, outright hostile to, um, even though they're putting their best foot forward. And you could do so much more with these three. Yeah, it's strange, but um, we are seeing Rusev on TV every week, which is not something we had for a while. Yeah, so... Uh, I don't know that I hate this storyline. I don't like it at all. It's very. I don't know that I am as anti-against it as so many people are, though. It's just weird to me. I don't yeah. know. I, you know, Lana gave it her all in that promo on Monday night, and they're going. I mean, you can't, you can't, uh, yes, end any more than they're doing right now. They're fully pot committed to this thing. So, look, man, I'm sorry, Rusev. I like you as a wrestler. I like your backstory. I've talked to people who helped train you. I, I made my comment because this is not for me, but it, I mean, you know, ill will. If the, if it. If it hurts your standing in the company that people are talking negatively about this storyline, I don't know what to say. <laughs> you know, like, I'm sorry, man. I, I want you to succeed. I'm apologizing via podcast right now for getting blocked. I've never done this.
Anyway, hashtag unblock Nick. No, hashtag, we are please. seeing Rusev on TV every week, and I think there are better ways to do it. Rusev Day was such a strong thing for a minute until they squashed it, right? Very yeah. organic, and the fans uh, soundly were behind that. So I wish they'd have gone that route. But on the other hand, Rusev, Lana, Bobby Lashley are in a main storyline every week on TV. Yeah. Uh, well, WWE has announced Stone Cold Steve Austin, the Broken Skull Sessions, is going to debut on the WWE Network following Survivor Series, and his first guest is going to be The Undertaker. Dude, I could not be any more on the hook for this. I'm very excited to finally get to see what Undertaker says and does in an open environment like this, especially with a guy like Steve Austin who he's really comfortable with. Yeah, yeah, and it's Stone Cold's done stuff with them on the network before, so I'm hoping this actually is more of a... They continue this and not just cut it off after about five episodes. But Undertaker, guys, been quiet. They should have a great conversation. They're very comfortable with one another. Um, I dig it. I would call. I mean, look, Conrad interviewing the Undertaker every week. The man does business, right? He's got five shows under his umbrella. He, I'm sure, would entertain one under yours. I know that he's very interested in that concept at the very least. So, mm. winking and nudge um, in that direction if this goes well. Uh, the venue, by the way, for the December 17th taping of Raw, the Tyson Event Center in Sioux City has announced that the show has been canceled due to a scheduling conflict. The show was gonna, uh, that was going to be taped there was originally going to air on the 23rd. I do believe now they're going to do a double taping like they did this past week in London, I think on the 18th or the 16th. I don't, I didn't, it didn't come up in my periphery when I was putting this together, but it'll be a double taping now. Uh, but just people making hay online about how maybe this was WWE wasn't selling a lot of tickets to the show, and they decided to cancel it and double up on tapings because it's going to be a pre-tape anyway. Uh, I don't think it mattered. I mean, yeah, maybe it doesn't matter though. Yeah. They canceled it because of low attendance two days before Christmas. Yeah, you know, it doesn't. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. I, like, I don't know. Anyway, does it matter? Is it like, like, oh look, WWE sucks because they had to cancel a show? <laughs> I just, just business guys. I just add the things to the run sheet that get a certain number of impressions on the site, and this was the thing. Uh, all right, talk. Sport. Look, they're failing. <laughs> yeah, right, okay. cancel WWE. Whatever. That's Whatever. The, some people's favorite thing to say. Uh, talk Sports caught up with Dolph Ziggler. He admitted that he almost quit WWE over original SummerSlam plans. Apparently. Uh, his The original plans were for him to have Goldberg uh, beat him in just a few seconds. Uh, he wasn't happy with the length, and he wanted two minutes. He didn't want to be straight up squashed, uh, so he threatened to quit. The match ended up being about a minute, so they met in the middle, Michael, right? And uh, that also went into you know the, the Black Knight thing where he got beat up a, a bunch more times. So it was actually a huge highlight of SummerSlam, what happened here, but they haven't done you know, much other outside of the, the, the rude stuff here with him ever since, at least not as a single star. So just some backstage, yeah. a little backstage insight. You don't need to squash everybody in 30 seconds, WWE. This was good for Dolph Ziggler. It was good for Bill Goldberg. He still lost. Goldberg still looked good. You don't have to make everything a 15-second squash fest. Yeah, and, you know, I'm glad to hear that he was heard, and, you know, they worked together to put together something that was very enjoyable. So, um, you know, don't be afraid to speak up. Um, all right, we have a litany of injury updates here real quick. I'll try to rifle through them. Uh, PW Insider, they're reporting Xavier Woods is not going to be back in action until summer 2020 at the earliest uh, the Observer reporting Sami Zayn is, uh, has been having trouble with his shoulders in recent months. That's why he's been wrestling less and was put with uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. No word yet on when Zayn's going to return to regular in-ring action, but word is now that he is okay and he can wrestle, but the current role is what they have him doing as a mouthpiece. And I believe he's been tagging with Shinsuke on some WWE live event shows as well. Uh, PW Insider reporting Alexa Bliss has not been cleared to return to the ring. As of last Thursday, she is scheduled to have her shoulder issues evaluated by doctors within the next few weeks. Uh, the Observer uh, reporting Alistair Black has been dealing with a knee injury, currently out of action, no timetable for his return, but the injury described uh, is just a tweak, and he cut a promo on SmackDown 
uh, where it looks like he's, uh, you know, he's not going to be taking any time off. Looks like he'll be back in a match here pretty soon. Uh, same goes for Cedric Alexander, who PW Insider is reporting, uh, dealing with a minor injury, but of course he's still competing on TV. And this does not include the NXT injury report, which I don't really include because, again, I don't know how much of this is, you know, these are all from Observer and PW Insider, but the uh, the WWE also t- chiming in with a few NXT injuries as well. Um, bad news. The big one here. I, go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, 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 no. Separate note. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say the big one here. I think is Xavier Woods who um, opened the door here for for Kofi and Biggie to have this run, but you know he'll be gone for quite some time now. So that's all I had. Um, we were talking about Rusev Lana earlier. I don't know, Nick, if you saw this, a story about Corey Graves on um, talking about that exact angle um, on his most recent episode of WWE After the Bell. I just want to add these comments in here because okay. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> okay. Yes, breaking news. <laughs> Let's go back to the Lana stuff. Yeah, go ahead. Yes. Go ahead. Um, Corey Graves said, my God, let it in. Let the suffering stop. I don't feel bad for Rusev. I think Rusev looks ridiculous. He's got a smoke show for a wife, but she bailed on him for reasons that were brought up but never really covered. Good on my man Bobby Lashley, though, putting in that work to the point where he injured himself, which is an accomplished accomplishment in itself, Corey joked. I'm curious to know exactly what was being performed to suffer a supposed groin tear, which we learned, blah, 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 blah. So he, um, what, did he get blocked by Rusev? That was far <laughs> more detailed than what I said. I just want to say, WWE, after the bell, you know, they're breaking in. Corey Graves out there really, you know, doing the doing God's work. So yeah, good, good for them. You know, this is what they need to be doing. I think that mixed with the WWE backstage show is a nice pivot for them to kind of get into a, a business that they have every right to be in and make a ton of money on. Right. Like, you know, just get over it. You know, if you want to, you know, stop, you want to help your stock, get into the dirt business. Right. So. What was what they were doing with the SmackDown post game show? Not not the dirt business necessarily, but they were doing a little more honest <laughs> promo work. That's why the Miz and Daniel Bryan got so hot for a minute. Right. Because of <laughs> it felt like we were pulling back the curtains a little bit. And la- I, I la- dig it. Last night, Liz pulled up the SmackDown clip where Daniel Bryan called out AJ Styles as a flat earther on that show. That's why I made the comment <laughs> earlier. <laughs> <laughs> just because she was like oh wait i want to watch that again and i was like all right holds yeah. up still a great clip but yeah you know the the curtain is down you get to see the real interactions between these people this is i, I did i did left this part out here in the news story but Corey continued we should look into that uh yeah let rusev and lashley do what they do two very capable talented sports entertainers wrestlers whatever you want to call them they're super talented let them have an awesome match because i believe they are capable of it i believe we are getting there but less of this outrageous story it's like somebody who's never been in a relationship writing their idea of what some sort of romance scandal would be it's very strange so there's the honest comments from Corey graves it feels like uh, he is also critical of this storyline but thinks these talents can maybe still pull something out of this there you go all right john cena he's on the cover of delta sky magazine now i'm only mentioning this because randy Orton, randy orton apparently flying delta saw the magazine he shared the following on twitter I'm on a flight to London, and I see this striking young man and ask myself the question, why, yes, I am, uh, John Cena, I am up for a challenge. Are you? Let's say, oh, I don't know, WrestleMania 36, or does Hollywood have you booked solid? Uh, by the way, uh, Randy Orton has also called out The Rock in a similar fashion here. I love that Randy Orton has signed this, like, five-year deal with WWE, knows he's set, and can just kind of say whatever he wants, work his own storylines. This is really fun. I, I, I'm digging what Randy Orton's doing right now. Yeah, make that money, dude. I mean, these are both high-profile matches. I would, it's, We used to see them all the time, so take it for granted. But now, yeah, Randy Orton, John Cena could be fun at WrestleMania. But where does he go next, right? The Rock said, Rock kind of played him off. John Cena maybe is busy filming Transformers 15 or whatever it is. Um, who, who, who's the next opponent for Randy Orton to call out? Tyson Fury. Big money Fury, right? So, <laughs> Bill Goldberg. Brock. 
I mean, we could revisit that. I'm not sure. I'd have to think on it. Let's let's get yeah. back. We'll, we'll think about it. All right. And lastly here, ODB has officially returned to Impact Wrestling. She uh, came back at the New York tapings over the weekend. Of course, all the ticket proceeds that they made for these New York tapings, uh, they went back to ODB to help her get her food truck, uh, which burned down back up and running. Uh, she's going to be she's going to be on tonight's episode of Impact. And uh, just, you know, she's been on the show here twice in about the last month and a half. Uh, great person. Very happy for her. I know she's got one more run left in her. And uh, this is going to be uh, it'll be a hoot to see what she does here in Impact Wrestling. I'm, I'm very excited. Yep, exactly. ODB, great talent here. And um, Impact really, really doing some cool stuff right now. My guest at this time has been seen in Itania, Black Klansman. It's always sunny in Philadelphia, Cobra Kai, and so many more things. He'll be seen here very soon in The Ballad of Richard Jewell. And in a little bit longer, he'll be in Cruella. It's Paul Walter Hauser. Paul, man, dude. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me here today. Of course, man. Whether you uh, whether you know it or not, you're part of every day when I check Wrestling Inc. So uh, I feel very close to you. Whether whether we are or not, I feel close to you. Well, Paul, dude, that's so cool, man, because I have to, I, you know, we're going to talk all about Full Gear here in just a second. But, dude, I saw the trailer for The Ballad of Richard Jewell. You worked with Clint Eastwood on this. It looks incredible. Paul, are you going to win an Oscar for this movie? If you talk to my parents, they'll say definitely. Um, if you talk to anyone else who worked on the film or will see it, I you know I don't know. I think um, I think what's good is I'm surrounded by Sam Rockwell and Kathy Bates and Clint Eastwood, who all do have Oscars. So uh, it's a little easier to play really well when you're on a good team. Yeah. So yeah. I think when you watch the movie, if there's anything you do like that I do or think is award worthy, it'll be a uh, part or wholly due to the fact that I was surrounded by freaking killers, man. It was awesome. Okay, cool. And then, uh, of course, you're in London right now filming Corella while we're having this discussion, correct? Yeah, I got like two and a half, three weeks left on Cruella. It doesn't come out till like summer 2021, so it's a ways off. But um, the movie stars Emma Stone and Emma Thompson, and it's kind of the Cruella DeVille origin story. And it's I get to play Horace from the duo Horace and Jasper, which people probably remember from the cartoon. Yes. 101 Dalmatians. And, and I just get to freaking have fun and hang out with Emma Stone all day. It's pretty awesome, dude. Is pretty it, good gig. Is it? Yeah, no kidding. Is it intimidating, though, like having to go recreate a Disney movie? Because, like, you're going to get opinions from everyone one way or another, no matter how this movie comes out. So 100% honesty, I, I was kind of intimidated by the size of the project and the fact that there are a lot of eyeballs. But um, the Disney execs and producers have come down and visited set and stuff, and they've been weirdly, like, super calm and nice and overly accommodating. And, like, I was having trouble sleeping, and they, like, they like sent a doctor to my trailer and were checking in on me saying, like, you need us to get you – like, do you need Tylenol? Do you need, like, lavender pills to help you sleep? Do you need to see a, a therapist to, like, give... Like, they were, like, going so out of their way to make sure that I was just okay while filming, and it was so genuine. So I would say that, like, I was worried about the shoot and the size of it, and then the way people have treated me, it feels just like I'm doing iconic. It feels like I'm just having fun working on a character-driven piece, you know? A little homemade movie with friends and family. Yeah. It felt like a little bit of a family, which is cool. Dude, that's so cool, man. Well, I'm happy for you, Paul. I just wanted to get those questions in here at the top because, of course, dude, you're 
you're super famous now. Like, I can't even believe you're taking the time to talk about full gear with me today. This is really cool, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I'm super famous, but I think I'm, I'm in a ton of cool shit. I'll admit that immediately. Between It's Always Sunny and Cruella and working with Eastwood and Spike Lee, I'm like, I'm definitely checking the boxes of all the things I had hoped I would get to partake in. So that, that part of it is crazy special but also i'm obsessed with wrestling so yes to me this is like the coolest thing ever man i'm totally game to do this i appreciate you humoring me well paul let's get to the wrestling then that's why you're here that's why i'm here that's why we came together here to talk today (laughs) i have i have i had like i told you right before we got on the call i am in like three places at once right now mentally i just you know i, I left i woke I, I woke up at 5 30 in the morning to leave baltimore we're recording this at like noon central like six hours later i was up until like 4 a.m because like here's the thing man i do the scrums afterwards and like don't get me wrong it's really cool to be a part of the scrums because i'm a big bill after fan and one of the things after i read bill's book and i got to know bill was I wanted to be out in the field covering the business, and I'm very thankful for the opportunity to get out and do that. But, dude, it's, it's 1.15 in the morning, and the scrums end, and that's when I go to work, like, transferring files oh, and, man. like, getting all this new stuff out. You know. It never ends. Dude. Well, also, you know, forget that it's wrestling, news media in general. Uh, if you ain't first, you're last, man. I mean, it's one of those things of if you don't have the scoop or if you're not talking about it and someone else is, uh, you're officially running behind. So that I can't imagine the pressure cooker that is uh, keeping everything square and up to date and just fact-checked and spell-checked and everything you got to do to put stuff out. Well, it was fun because when we were in the scrums, um, before we get to the results of full, full gear and stuff, the Thursday before it leaked out that there was like a brawl between Excalibur and Jimmy Havoc at Jimmy's famous seafood in, in, uh, I read that. yeah. And like, so we're all sitting around waiting for the scrums to start and all the media's there. And we've all got our microphones. Everyone's like, who's going to ask about it first. Right. Like what's, who wants to ask about it first. And I've never had like a consensual discussion like that with the press, but that was, that was the, the buzzy non full gear thing. Everybody was talking about. You know, and Tony came out and he was like, well, well in, uh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I don't know. It's just funny because like in the movie industry, like there are a million stories about people just like, oh, yeah, we were drinking one night and you know, things went a little too far. And he hit this guy or shoved this guy like the film industry. There's a billion stories like that. But in the wrestling industry, it's like uh, when you fight for a living, it's weird when you fight outside of work, you know, yeah. it's like you're doing it for a living and it's choreographed and decided upon and there are rules and so when you do it outside of work it's almost it's almost more interesting it's more shocking because it's like well clearly clearly that's you know not a work clearly someone drank too much and someone said the wrong thing and you know i have to imagine jimmy havoc who i i have been impressed with and i'm, I'm enjoying his work in AEW, um not being on the card but being there for that weekend that's gotta you know that doesn't feel great i can't imagine the rest of the roster is thrilled that they're not on the show. Yeah. So I'm sure some of that could have played in, uh, though I'm only speculating, obviously. Yeah, no, you're right. uh, Kip Sabian wasn't on the show. There was a lot of guys that were were on the show that I was very surprised about. Penelope Ford wasn't on the show as well. But, yeah, man, with Jimmy, like, so Tony Khan comes out, and we ask him about it, and he's just kind of – he plays it down. He's like, I've been in football – We've these. I wouldn't call this a fight. It's more of two two gentlemen just scrapping about. 
it was no big deal. I love Tony Khan. Totally spun this the right way. You know, Perfect. does it sound like it, anybody? Does it sound like anybody's in any trouble here? And man, when Jimmy Havoc does come back, look, look, we watched a whole pay per view, and I got into that scrum room, and everybody was talking about Jimmy Havoc. And this is right after we just watched Blood and Guts, which we'll get to here in a second. Absolutely. Right? It's silly. Come on, we can't, we can't, we can't focus on the. That's like, that's like the whole Seth Rollins. Uh, rah rah speech thing i got so annoyed by wrestling internet for like two days where i'm like can you guys shut up about this meeting none of you were there none of us know if it happened all the details are still coming out and then basically jerry lawler just blurts everything on some podcast right like lawler basically gave step by step what that meeting was a couple days ago he gave well he gave his interpretation of step by step because again you know it's you know it's like politics right you know you've got so many different transcriptions here and you're trying to like line them up next to each other here like what everybody said because you had lawler's take you you had his take you had Corey graves take and then, of course, there's, like, the wild card, Hugo Savinovich, who got a call in the middle of the night from a mystery man. You know, like, um, it's... Just... Yeah, I don't I don't like the mystery men stuff. I feel like it's a little, it's a little weak sauce. I feel like we end up poking a lot of holes through the mystery men stuff. Yeah. But, uh, but who knows? I mean, I think the attitudes are, are entirely true. I think the attitudes were, I mean, listen, I, I've been in this situation before. I was on a flight back from a Spike Lee movie that I shot for Netflix. It doesn't come out till summer 2020. I was freaking coming back from a Spike Lee movie and they rerouted my flight. Cause we were like, we were like on the tarmac for like two hours. We're like, why haven't we gotten off the plane? They gave us some fuel trouble stuff. They gave us some like random notes of what had happened to the plane. And then I got rerouted and I had to go to the middle East. I was in like, uh, I don't even know the place. I'd have to literally look up where I was. But I got rerouted to the Middle East, then to Sweden, and then to New York, and then to L.A. Damn. So, like, I've had something very similar happen to me. And my first thought, because I'm a stupid American who's ignorant, my first thought in the back of my head was, is there something sketchy going on? Because, you know, that's how we think. We've seen too many movies, and we're afraid of that stuff. So uh, I think the fact that Carl Anderson, some of these guys are like, is there something sketchy going on where we're in Saudi Arabia and the plane is down and no one's giving us answers? You know, that's human. That's I'm sure that's how a lot of us might react. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, my gut reaction was if I was told uh, to after six hours of uh, being on a flight and I was a wealthy American getting off, being forced into a, a Saudi hotel after, you know, <laughs> I'm not making up what happened two years ago in Saudi Arabia with MBS and how he shook down everybody there. You know, it, there was a precedent where I was like, I would be crapping my pants. You know, it does sound like everything has fallen out for the better, and it doesn't sound like there were any real issues. But there was, a, I mean, you know, you, you got AJ Styles on the record being like, my wife called me terrified, crying, thinking I was like held hostage, you know? So it's, it's. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. The whole, and I'm, you know, just to be on the record, the whole relationship with the Saudis and putting on those shows, it's, uh, it's an understandable business move, but in general, I'm not a fan of it. Um, and it just feels weird. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I, the crown jewel thing, uh, I don't need to see a boxer fight a wrestler to try to raise money for the capital of a giant organization. I'd rather see something with a real story that's been built with a guy or gal who's put in a decade of time and deserves that spot. But that's me. I really feel like come WrestleMania this year, Braun Strowman's opponent, or maybe at the next big Saudi show, is going to be an actual physical bear. I think we're going to regress back to that. And we're going to see Braun fight the <laughs> 
it's gonna be it's gonna be Shaq versus a circus bear versus like the big show in like a Yeti costume. It's gonna be ridiculous. Okay, now you asked me before we got in the air. Now we'll bring this back to AEW Starcast Weekend. What was my moment of the weekend? Now, granted, there was some great action, but dude, I was at Starcast on Saturday morning. I showed up and um we did a scrum with I think we did we did one with uh was a tar- I forget who we started the day off, but then we did the Bischoff one second, and then after Eric, I was like, we're done. I'm going to go walk around. I'll try to get some interviews upstairs. I walk upstairs. I went and found Dave Milliken, the, the belt designer guy. Talked to him about the history of belts. It was very cool. And then I turn around, and out of nowhere, dude, it's the effing Yeti. And it's this giant seven-foot man coming at me, wrapped in toilet paper, oh, going, ah! <laughs> Like, that is wonderful, dude. I mean, were you were you like kids were about the same age? Were you? Do you have fond memories of the the giant block of ice and wondering who's in the ice and then having this thing thrust upon you? I mean, it's it's one of those vague memories, kind of like the Shockmaster Kevin Nash's odds, where I just remember seeing it and thinking, "Well, this is dumb." And I was like seven, so the fact that I knew it was dumb at seven, yes. Let's you know how how much that went over. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and it was just like it happened, and it was one of those dumb things, but it's like so memorable to me. And I saw him, and I took a little video, and I had fun with it. And then I walked over to Blue Meanie, and I was like, "That was the coolest thing I've done all weekend." And he said I was dumb, but he's great. I love Meanie. All right, uh, Blue Meanie's cool, man. I'm, I'm I met Blue Meanie at the last start app, and he was really gracious and nice, and like was showing that he's both a fan as well as being a, a part of the history of the business, you know? Man, all those EC, you know, pro wrestlers in general are usually pretty down to earth, but those ECW guys, man, like Meanie, Taz was there, Sandman, they are the nicest down to earth people. I don't know what it is about that group of guys, yeah. but the ECW crew is like, even Tommy Dreamer, you can sit around, have, you can sit around, have several, I've done that, sit around, get drunk with Tommy and Shane Douglas for that matter, who was also very cool. Oh, um, that's fun. Dude, well, that's fun, dude. Getting drunk with ECW legends. That's absurd. <laughs> Dude, well, anyway, story for another day. I keep getting us off track here, again, because I'm, like, all discombobulated. So, I'm, and I have no... Of course. Run, I, no, have, it's fine. I have no notes for this interview. I literally just have the results. So, this is all very freestyle here today. Um, Same. No, yeah, I just I just have, like, little notes of stuff that I remembered that I loved or, or questioned or, you know, wanted to ask you about. Yeah. Okay, well, let's get to it here. Full Gear was uh, last night as we were recording this on Sunday, and... Uh, I got to the venue. The big question was, uh, did this show draw? There was a lot of doom and gloom, especially on the scene there, I felt like, from local Baltimore people that were like, oh, I've heard a lot of people aren't going. They've done like five shows in the same market, right back to back to back. They've maybe blown out the uh, the, the, the territory. Dude, I got there, man. Looked like a big show to me, man. I'd say 85% of that venue was filled up, you know, come, come showtime. Um, it felt very cool. It felt like I was, uh, I wouldn't say on par with a double or nothing, but definitely more energy than a fight fest or fighter fest and a fight for the fallen. So that was good. Was yeah, like, that sounds right. Yeah. That sounds right. And and the audience, I noticed overall, the audience felt a little unenthusiastic. I didn't think the audience reacted as much as they should, but they still, you know, the, the moments that warranted, a this is awesome or a you know a clap chant like freaking Kenny Omega da, 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 da. like they're on top of all that stuff they they still played all the cues you know 
Yeah, and I think that I think there was kind of a mix here where it was like, yes, they were in the market, so it was tough to draw, but they did draw, which is awesome. But you do have a lot of fans that had seen several AEW shows, and I think it. I think if I had to compare it to to anything, it would maybe be kind of like the NXT crowd a little bit, where you're playing to a lot of fans that already kind of know you a bit, right? They're familiar, so I think totally. so. I think that plays into the reactions as well because they're you know they're they've seen a lot of shows here in a short period of time. There's a little bit of respect to it, you know, and they're not geeking out yeah. like it's their first time at the party they've been to the party a couple times at this point you know so entirely right i think that's dead on okay good i'm correct i'm good that's good and thank you for telling me i'm correct um all right let's start to the action here <laughs> Britt baker and b Pre- b Priestley were on the uh kickoff show or the buy-in um uh, i thought it was really look Britt got a huge reaction here i thought the women uh, had a good bout. I love Britt's finisher. And then afterwards, of course, we got the debut or the debut of Brandy and Awesome Kong during this period of time because they were earlier associated, kind of took a break. Now they're back, dominant beat down Brie Priestley again. Um, what were your thoughts of the women here getting put on the buy-in and what did you think of the bout here between Britt and B? Yeah, I thought this was I thought this was a good buy-in match based on the matchup. I think I think uh, there were moments that were a little sloppy, and then I heard about Britt Baker literally having the flu, so I, I um, immediately cast off all thoughts of the sloppiness because it's impressive that she even performed. Uh, Britt Brit had a really good promo recently where she kind of like walked that line between work and shoot where it seemed really real, and uh, her cadence felt really down to earth, and, and she sounded pissed off. So I thought Britt's promo was a great setup. Her and B had a pretty good match. I'd say it was above average, uh, not super memorable. It kind of did that NXT thing where it was like there were a hundred moves in about seven or like six minutes. Yeah. And they kind of had that really long second act to the match. And then I was really happy that Britt picked up the victory and had that awesome, uh, that awesome submission. And then I thought the awesome Kong, uh, Brandy thing was a great setup for, for the women's division. I think those two being a pair, it's kind of like Sean and Diesel, you know. I really like, I really like the way they look next to each other, and and the whole scalping thing with the hair was super weird, and I loved it. <laughs> I, I was like weirdly on board with that. I was as well, you know. And it was a it was a little thing too because you know with the hair and you're taking the hair and you're you're capturing the hair as like a token. It's it's like a it's like a famous Holly. It's like an old school Hollywood serial killer type thing that you do where you find the book one day where it's like they get in a car yeah. crash and it's like. Uh, I wrote this play when I did. It was, it was, yeah, it was broad but dark, right? It's yeah, like silly but also like scary. Yeah, well, and I was a little scared too. They were going to drop the knife, and maybe somebody would fall on it or step on it or something. But that's just me being paranoid. Okay. Yeah, um, but no, I dig it. I'm there were too you. many knives in the show. <laughs> there were <laughs> sharp objects in the show. Uh, but I agree with you, and I'm I'm interested to see where where all four of these women go um, moving forward. All right, then that brings us to the start of the show. They kicked it off here. Big tag match. I think this is the first time that I'd ever seen the Bucks open an AEW event. Um, got the crowd going. Uh, uh, what is it? Proud and powerful now. Santino and Ease, uh, Ortiz are known as. And, dude, for my money right now, and, and LAX, uh, whatever, p- proud and powerful, whatever, for a while now have slowly been growing on me. And they are definitively now maybe one of my favorite things in pro wrestling. My only gripe would be that, and I get that Ortiz, like, he's kind of this uh, George the Animal Steel, a little cartoony. Some of the cells were just a little, (laughs) (laughs) that's like my only note. I I mean, listen, listen, Ortiz Ortiz having the 
Ortiz having the standing seizure was like Sean reacting to Hogan, yeah. right? It was very much like it was almost like a the oversell is like a no sell, you know. <laughs> but um, but but I was very like I was impressed with how entertaining Santana and Ortiz were, and I think you know. I think uh, I, I think Nick sold the the shin injury really well, and the sound of of the the leg hitting that post was genuinely disconcerting. It sounded really bad. Yeah, uh, of course it's work. I just mean like it, like they they sold me on it. I thought it was they sold the leg really well. I I a hundred percent agree on that. And for a couple guys that get a lot of you know a lot of heat from old timers about how they're killing the business, whether they're flipping flops. I'm with you, man. I thought Nick sold that that uh, leg perfectly. They couldn't do the Melter driver. You had to have Matt put him up in the corner for them to do other moves. They, you know, they really worked that yeah. injury. And um, we also, of course, we had the the Rock and Roll Express ringside there. And dude, I don't know how it played on TV, but Ricky Morton was full on rah rah cheerleader for the Young Bucks the entire match on his feet, getting the crowd going. It was quite a spectacle watching that man go to town uh, outside the ring. You know, well, yeah, you know. I, I kind of love their involvement, and I hope they kind of stay as like a um, cameo type of thing. I hope they keep showing up and sort of supporting the Bucks as like mentors. I think it makes sense. And, and Ricky's Ricky's Tope Suicida and his Canadian destroyer were <laughs> genuinely very good. And uh and I in a weird way in a weird way Ricky Morton's involvement at the end of the match was like the highlight of the match for me, which I don't like saying because it kind of overshadows all the work the guys put in, but it was, I mean, I popped. I, I thought it was awesome. Dude, well, and the thing is, the Rock Girl Express here, first of all, I expect them to hold the AEW tag titles at some point, even just as, as a token. Do you think that'll happen or no? The Rock and Roll Express? Oh, I don't think Tony Khan would have it. I think what? Tony's a... I, I think Tony's no baloney, man. I think he really wants to validate those titles. I don't think he's going to be doing any sort of... Uh, sort of favor runs or anything. You know what I mean? Okay. Not, to, not to, once again, not to like shit on the rock and roll express. I just mean they're, they're pretty old. I don't know if they'll be wearing gold. What do you think? First of all, I love No Baloney Tony. That's a great moniker. And I may No Baloney Tony, man. I may actually make that the headline for an article featuring you on the site. Sometimes some people say things I'm like, that's gonna be a, that's gonna grab people. That's a great moniker for him. But what's weird what's weird is I think that is sort of his MO though. Like he's really he's taking it with the severity of like in order to make in order to fully legitimize this product we have to keep making those tough decisions of like you know i love david arquette and i've seen him wrestle live and he's been nothing but cool to me but it's it is that thing of like the moment you start letting legends come in and take titles or you know the moment uh, david arquette as a runner or something it's like you gotta you gotta be careful of that you know people people get wind of that yeah i i, I see that i don't know it's just like ricky i mean look Robert uh, Robert Gibson throws some of the best punches in the business. Still does. Ricky Morton, dude, I've seen. Beautiful. I I have seen Ricky Morton hit that Canadian destroyer live a couple times now. I tell people all the time Ricky Morton has the best Canadian destroyer in pro wrestling, but I don't know that I've seen Ricky hit a suicide dive, and that caught me off guard. And that's when I was like, this guy is wanting to go. He's creating incredible. It, it's incredible. But I mean, look, he took the he took the spot through the stage. He did the Bischoff WCW spot. You know, I mean, he's he's shooting for the fence. He's down for anything. He's putting him out there to to be involved. I mean, at the very maybe not a title run, but at the very least, I think we're gonna get some Rock and Roll Express matches here. I don't know how you don't at this point. You know, put it put it this way: if they did compete and or held the titles, I wouldn't be upset about it. 
No. I would I would be I would be having a blast. Well, this takes us to Adam Hangman Page versus Pac. Uh Page beat Pac. Pac beat Omega. Uh Jericho beat Page. This to me felt like a, a, a balancing act here to to kind of bring everybody up to the same level uh, all at once at this time. Did did you get that same reaction or no? Um to be honest, this this whole thing it was funny because instead of one point they're like this this has been going on for nine months. You know, these two have been at it for nine months, and it's like it doesn't feel like nine months. It no. doesn't feel like it was built the way it would have to be for us to care to the degree they want us to care. Um, I think they're two incredible performers. I don't know that they have chemistry, yeah. and that's its own thing. You can have two amazing guys not have chemistry. It happens all the time. Uh, so for me, Pac and Page don't have the best chemistry, but they're both exceedingly entertaining to watch and i love seeing page pick up a victory because uh i thought he'd be a little further than he is right now in the company but maybe they're building him up they're taking their time but um it's nice to see him pull out a victory it was cool well but that's the thing is you know you put him right into the main event feud for the title right he was in the first ever title match you know you don't pick up the big one you know you got to go back to the the drawing board here i mean that's just inevitable you're going to lose momentum You know, and so entirely true. Yeah. yeah. And and I thought it was I thought it was cool, that, you know, because when Pac came in, there was like so much talk, right? The rumors, everything, you know, how committed is this guy to this? Does he just want to is he is he so concerned with winning? That was the uh, an issue. I remember earlier people were talking about, you know, I thought it was cool that he got the win over Omega and then he followed up with a loss here to Paige. Because now, again, like I say, all these guys right now, they've picked up big wins over each other. Everybody thinks that they are bigger names. And I do see them kind of as a group being elevated, not not one over the other, just kind of all evenly. I don't know if that's good or bad, but that's just rising kind of the op- together. Yeah, yeah. I don't again. I don't know if it's good. Yeah, or bad. I think they're rising together. It's 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 a matter too of like, though it's it's also in any given Sunday thing too with the wins where it's like if Pac can beat Omega, uh, and I think most people would have put their money on Omega in that match. If Pac can beat Omega, and then Paige can beat Pac. Pop or Page can then beat Omega, and yeah, exactly. so you know if if uh, I almost said Dean Ambrose, forgive me. If John Moxley can beat Omega, then I guess he can beat Adam. Pa- like it, it kind of goes back and forth, and probably a way where you're not able to predict, and maybe that's a good thing. And I'm also wondering how that affects creative too, because you're having to keep track of everybody. Their storylines based off of these, like ra- these, uh, these ma- not ratings. What are they called? The uh, the win loss records, right? Based off their records, right? So what yeah. if somebody kind of falls to the side and they pick up three, four losses? But you're like, oh, but wait, we've got this perfect feud over here with them, but it involves a title, but the win loss record doesn't line up. It's uh, the WWE, WCW didn't even deal with that. I just have no idea how that's going to affect the the storylines. I mean, I think the win-loss record will be a little more mathematical, where it will just be a matter of we owe it to so-and-so based on whatever's going on. But having said that, if you get a good feud going with someone, a lot of people are going to forget about the win-loss record because they'll just be watching the feud. And then you can build that up two, three, four months later where it's like, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm eight and three. I definitely am in line for a title shot. Um, so the hope is they can distract people from that too. I don't think your average fan is going to be looking at the win loss every week going, okay, who is it? You know, it's, that's more of a video game mentality. Maybe people do speak that way, but I know I, I'm kind of forgetting about the win loss until they tell me about it in the programming. Yeah. So just, just something to think about. Um, then we get a uh, Sean Spears yeah. and Joey Janela 
this was a match that was announced very last minute. Um, again, you know, this slapdashed uh, a week or so together to get these two something going here, some heat for this match. I think they, I, I think they wanted to get Joey and Sean on the card. I think that's why this happened here. It was nothing. It wasn't the match of the night, but I will say, as somebody who has worked as a manager previously, I really enjoyed seeing a traditional, classic, old school managers match. Tully Blanchard is very, very good at that. I thought that all the shenanigans with the ref and everything right behind his back, it was just very well done. The spike pile driver at the end was awesome, but what wasn't awesome was how well they either sold it or Joey legitimately got his bell rung because, man, after that match, Joey laid lifeless in the ring, medics, all the medics, all the refs, all the agents checking on him. Oh, really? Yeah, I again, I don't know if that was shown on TV. I put the video on Wrestling Inc.'s Twitter account, so if you were so interested after this, you can go watch it. But, dude, the crowd was silent. Everybody was, like, genuinely worried because Joey wasn't moving that something had happened. And, you know, I, I texted him after or during. And I was like, dude, are you okay? And he's like, I'm fine. I'm just a little beat up. So I think it was – if it was a sell, it was a damn good sell. They sold this in the most old school way possible. Well, it's smart. If you're gonna if you're gonna take the fall to somebody else, it's like really honor the fact that they're going over. So, I think um, they got some building they need to do with Sean Spears, uh, and they got to kind of build him up because he had this big moment with Cody, and then he was kind of middling. And I was starting to think like, is this gonna? Are they almost gonna do to him what WWE did, where it's like you're not really involved? But you know, this storyline with Joey can go on for a minute. Like, I like the idea of Janela being this weirdo badass from like the, the backyard and the, the indie indies. And then he's up against Sean Spears. who's more of a classical looking and style wrestler with this old school manager. I think, um, I think they can do more with it. What they'll do. I'm not sure, but, um, but I, I like Spears being sort of like this Rick rude looking dude uh, mm-hmm. and sort of working over and cheating and, and gaining wins over these like unlikely underdogs. I, I totally didn't get the Blanchard pairing at first. Um, it just it caught me off guard. It, it seemed like two things that maybe wouldn't fit together. But as it's playing out, man, I, I get it. I see it. I think it's really nice. I'm not worried about either of them turning on the other. It just feels like, you know, Sean Spears has found a mentor who is going to show him how to cheat to win. <laughs> That's great. Who cares? You know? I mean, yeah, no, I think I – think- I think that wor- it works, and I agree with you. Where I was, I was thrilled to have Tully there, but was wondering what it was going to look like. And now it looks pretty great. Um, I'd like to see him in a tag team. I really want to see Sean Spears get in a tag team with another guy. Have Tully, have Tully, kind of like mentor them, knowing he had that big tag run, and then build up credibility where Spears could have a tag run with somebody within the next year, year and a half, and that'll build the credibility for him to have a singles run. Because right now, I just I think he's getting a little buried by the roster, and I don't see him coming up for air anytime soon. Yeah, I I think so too. With just just so much going on right now, and there's a lot of big names, I I agree. I think he's a little lost in the mix. But Joey's got his own aura about him, and obviously he's got like a cult like following. My only and this it, you tell me totally. if this, you tell me if this is a weird note or observation. Joey's hair is so big, I think it makes his body look small. And I don't know what to do about that, but his hair it was just bugging the crap out of me all night. <laughs> it's a lot of hair, man. It's like 80s hair metal. But um, I also think he's just a small guy. Yeah. He's not very big, and he doesn't really have the uh, the physique either. He's like very much 
he's very he's very indie to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's, like he's got that look. But uh, the hair was that hair spot in the corner was super weird. I'm wondering who who booked or wrote that in. Like, I'm so curious who, whose idea that was. I would bet Tully is working pretty closely on these. I w- I would think it would Blanchard because. Here's the That's thing. Interesting. Well, here's the thing is like I was when I when I was at Starcast, we got to do we got to do a scrum with Arn Anderson. And I asked Arn, you know, how has it been working backstage? How is it different than WWE? And he said he's just an on-screen character. He hasn't really been producing any matches. And that shocked me that he's like there, but he's not like helping to put together matches. So I, that's why I say if Tully's involved in this, I think he's probably the one getting involved in coming up with this kind of old school spots, like tying the hair up in the ropes kind of deal. Yeah, no, that's fun to think about. And I hope he is involved. I mean, I think he's one of my favorite guys from back to the day. He's someone who just is so memorable. His, his stuff with his stuff with Magnum and his tagging with Arn and the fact that he's a part of like my favorite version of the four horsemen. I mean, it's, I think it's a treat just to see him in AEW. Yeah. Uh, this takes us then to the AEW Tag Team Championship Triple Threat. SCU uh, defeated Private Party and the Lucha Brothers. This match didn't get as much time as I was expecting, and uh, I don't know that that was necessarily a bad thing because I wasn't expecting SCU to, like, lose or come close to losing here. I thought that this would be a, a just an easy – or not an easy win, but a given win for them. Um, but they pinned uh, the Private Party here. Let me see. Chris, yeah. yeah uh, make sure I got this right. Win an attack. Uh, moments uh, hit the hit Isaiah Kennedy with the SU later for the victory. Yeah, so the private party took the loss here, and I remember yeah. thinking to myself, you know, as quickly as these guys came up, I feel like they've already kind of been brought back down. Where SCU and Lucha Brothers are starting to outshine them again. Yeah, I think private party are so young; they're allowing them to kind of stay down where they're they're high lit. They're on like every show. I feel like I see them as much as I see Cody. Yeah, private parties all over the place, but they're also there, there's like a latitude of taking those losses because they know there's so much time and so much room to grow. And by the time when they finally do have a run and do win the titles, it'll probably be a very big deal. Like it'll probably get a crazy pop the the night that private party wins those titles. Yeah, I agree. And I think this is also a case of like we were talking about with the men's singles division, uh, kind of the tag division as well. You know, it's a, it's, it's a all coming up at once, right? SCU, they could be private party. Private totally. party can beat the Bucks, but also, you know, uh, pow- pride and power, pride and powerful. They can beat the Bucks, right? So, the the whole tag division right now has been elevating. And a, a friend of mine, very good friend of mine, Ross Berman, smart guy, made the observation to me that the tag division has essentially become what the cruiserweight division was to WCW, and in just the kind of idea that it's just different- oh wow, absolutely yeah, right. Didn't that just kind of blow your mind a little bit? Well, it's just so accurate. It's the idea that you're highlighting something, you're treating it as important. There are storylines, and and there and it's also a high spot thing. These tag matches all have crazy high spots, similar to the cruiserweights. A lot of these, I mean, guys like Kazarian. Kazarian's like 43 years old or something, yeah, and he moves like a freaking 20 year old cruiserweight. It's insane. Yeah, yeah, and well, and then Christopher Daniels here, cool spot after the match. Lights go out, come up, two pentagons in the ring. Well, that's something different. And uh, they do the whole, they took their Susan Messing class, they did their mirror exercise in the ring, which is always fun to watch. Um, right. And, classic. Uh, classic. Who doesn't like a good mirror exchange? Um, but Christopher Daniels, man, yeah, he, he attacks Pinta, he takes the mask off, and in the scrums afterwards, he made it clear 
that he wants to go have a singles feud with Pentagon Jr. So I guess that's going to maybe pull the Lucha Brothers out of the tag division for a bit is Daniels and Pentagon try to put, or, or not try to, do put something on here together. I think that's a smart move. I think that's a really good move. And uh, and also, you know, Daniels should get a singles run. He's one of the older guys on the roster. It's, this is probably smart for him to take the time to have try to have some classic matches with people of talent in his pentagon. Yeah, and you know, they with the, the SCU, they were asking the scrums if they were going to do the Freebird rule, and Daniels shot that down. He was like, no, can't, Kazarian, Scorpio, they did the tournament. They won the titles. They're the tag champions. I will have to go find my own title now which led the discussion of, well, the only other title you could go for would be the men's world title. And he talked about how he was a former world champion. He held the ROH world title uh, for a time there and was the top dog during a, a better period uh, for ROH. And uh, I, I I asked him if he'd be interested in a secondary title. He said, of course, if they introduced one, you know, I'd go for it. But the idea of Christopher Daniels here going for the world title, I kind of dig it, man. I, I mean, if there's anybody, you know, like you say, the Rock and Roll Express, maybe that would be a step too far. But Christopher Daniels holding gold. There's a lot. There's a lot. Uh, there's a great story you could tell with that guy really making a move for that. Yeah, think of all the footage. All the footage you could grab from TNA and ROH and the Indies. It's like you could do a really cool video package showing the amount of time and effort he's put in, and and him having a match with someone like Jericho, I think would be could be really special and, and bring out the best in both guys. Will it happen? I don't know. You got a lot of these spots that are already taken by the elite and 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 guys like Moxley and Pac, but um, I would love to see that. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, agreed. <clears throat> then we get the women's uh, world championship, or the, or the women's, uh, not world, women's championship match. Uh, Rio defending against uh, Emi Sakura. This match, um, you know, I didn't really, I didn't know anything about Emi. I do know that she's really won me over. I thought the package was good. I, I dig the student versus teacher thing. I thought it was a, a good establishment victory here for Rio. Um, I guess Britt Baker is where you go from here. Um, but, I, you know, again, I enjoyed this match. I, th- I thought, you know, it didn't get a whole lot of time to to have the story told beforehand. I thought it was a pretty easy story to follow, though. But, yeah, I don't know where you go for Rio here, with, from, with Rio for here. Yeah, I, I think Rio and Britt makes perfect sense. And uh, maybe you could do a thing where Britt wants the title, but her and Rio have to team up against Brandy and Awesome Kong. I could see that. And then you do kind of a, ta- a tag run where, like, the unlikely people that should be fighting are teaming up. That could be interesting. But, um, but yeah, no, this this woman's – oh, by the way, I have to mention, it's her name Big Swole? Is that her name? Yeah, Big Swole sign. Yeah, absolutely. I just I just had to point that out. I really enjoyed her match the other night. I think it was on AEW Dark. Um, I really enjoyed her, and I hope she, she has a presence. I think the women's division is really taking shape in a really positive way, especially assuming that people like Mercedes Martinez are going to keep showing up. Um, yeah, I, I, thought, I thought Rio and Emmy was a good match. It was one of my favorite matches of the night, which I didn't necessarily expect. Right. Um, and I like Emmy. Emmy had a really cool code switch. Where at the beginning of the match, she looked like she was getting emotional and about to cry. And she kind of sucked it up in the corner. And then as she began the match, it was like a whole different person showed up. This cocky, angry, sort of comedic presence showed up. And it was interesting to see her code switch like that. I'd, I'd like to see more of her in, uh, in AEW if she's even available. I know she's, she's, it sounds like she's doing a bunch of work as like a, 
a mentor and teacher now. Yeah, we good. Coach. She's great, man. I yeah, she it's obvious that she's very very talented. It's one of those things where it's like you just you watch her work and you're like, "Man, where have you been all my life? How have I never heard of you?" Yeah. You know, you're she was great. Yeah, I was I was I didn't know about her. It was great. Yeah, and that is, you know, they keep giving credit to Kenny Omega. He's finding these women, he's bringing them in. You know, there there is say what you will, there was only 13 minutes of female action on the main pay-per-view. And then, of course, the women were in the buy-in, which I don't really know that that's like a knock on the women. If anything, I think that's support for the women because you're saying, no, you're going to go out there and get this crowd heart, a hot start. You're going to get buys. You're going to People are going to watch this. They're going to want to buy the pay-per-view. That's not a knock, I think, on the women to be in the buy-in. But still, on the main card, they only get one match in, in 13 minutes here. Um, when do these women get to flourish a little bit more, I guess, is what I'm waiting for. I agree with you, but I, but I think once again, I give some leniency to the company and assume that they're building up all these women. Um, you don't have to build Kenny Omega or John Moxley up. We already know everything about them. Yeah. Uh, we don't know everything about, uh, you know, Emmy or Rio or, um, or any of these women, Big Swole. So I, I think it'll take time, but eventually, you know, I would not be surprised if women were headlining a pay-per-view in the next year and a half, just like happened in WWE. Yeah, um, I think that's I think that's a fair statement to make too. Um, then we get our first of two main events: the AEW World Championship. Uh, Chris Jericho defending against Cody. Uh, you had Hager in Jericho's corner. You had MJF in Cody's corner, and then of course we had our judges. You and I were pretexting, guessing who the judges would be. Uh, I got Arn. You got Dean. Neither of us had Muda on the on the guessing card. But that was oh, but cool. I will say this. I will I will say this. I did say one guy will show up and be a judge. I- who yeah. we've yet to see in AEW. Yeah, I know, but that's not, I know you said that, but that's not like a, that's not like a. It's not Muda, but I just, no, yeah. Okay. I'm just giving myself credit. Okay, that's fine. Dude, um, okay, first of all, I, I, I love, I love the great Muda, dude. I grew up with great Muda, so it was a treat for me to see that dude show up. I used to watch him wrestle Sting and tag with Sting back in the day. Dude, he was at uh, StarCast, he did a panel, or not a panel, he did a Q&A, not even a Q&A, I don't think they did a Q&A, they just did a discussion um, but he was with Sonny Ono, man, and Sonny was the translator um, for the questions. And, dude, Sonny, man, he came – well, first of all, yes, great mood in person, very cool. Uh, but Sonny came in to the media area randomly, and he's like, what are you guys doing? And we're like, we're waiting to talk to Bischoff. And he's like, oh, well, that's great. You guys are great. I can't even believe I'm here. I had a heart attack 10 days ago on the airplane coming to the States. And we're all like, what? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what? And he's like, yeah, yeah. My doctor said it's because I keep coming to the States and I eat the American diet. And he said, Asian people who eat the American diet, they're the most at risk <laughs> for heart attacks. And literally nobody's recording this. Nobody's like, he just came in and started telling us all this. And we're all like, oh. <laughs> and then you're like, so you want to go grab a, you want to go grab a hot dog and a beer? And he's like, no. I, even, I did not want to grab a hot dog and a beer. I didn't even. Think, a heart attack. I didn't even think about it. But outside the venue, they literally there was a bacon fest going on outside of Starcast. That's oh God, crazy. So anyway, poor guy comes to America and we're we're trying to get him to eat like the the Pizza Hut pizza with the hot dog crust. Oh. Yeah, and you dip Terrible. that in nacho cheese here, Sonny. That's what you do, <laughs> you know. Oh God. <laughs> um, well, listen, Sonny Ono's heart attack aside, which we we uh, we wish him well. Yes. We love Sonny Ono. Yes. Um, stay healthy, bro. Um, uh, that that match was, I mean, cool setup. You got those judges. You got big fight feels. You know, it could go an hour or more based on 
the contextual clues of everything that's been said. Uh, I thought I thought the match started off kind of, you know, I know they're not trying to get blown up and, and blow their water early on, but I, I didn't love that it took like seven or eight or nine minutes to get into the match. I thought it should have been a little more bell to bell, especially the way it ended. Um, but I, overall, you know, I, I enjoyed it, and they told an amazing story. I think Cody's still across the board. Every wrestling company, Cody is one of the, if not the, best storyteller in the ring right now. Uh, what's your take, man? I thought. Well, I thought. I think the match took a pacing. Uh, the pacing had to change as soon as Cody did the dive to the outside. He went face first into the steel, busted himself up the hard way. And after I'm watching it back, I think I think he did it on purpose. Like the the way he set his hands. And he kind of leaned his face into it. You know, you could have rolled. You know, there's way, there was a lot of easy ways I think he could have uh, avoided going face first into that. But I think he maybe got his bell wrong because he hit his, he decided to hit his head into the ramp, which is so Cody because he didn't care. Um, and then Jericho Ugh. looked. Then did Jericho looked at him and was like, "Dude!" And if you watched it, you know Jericho grabbed the chair. But after that dive, there was a lot of Jericho punch, punch, fire back, kick. Jericho cuts him off. Cody goes down and Jericho just walks around. There was a lot of that going on. Yeah. And Jericho did, he did a good job of working around it. I saw a lot of the kicks and punches and shots he was taking. And even the lion salt, you know, moonsault thing. It was like, he kept doing moves that were more body oriented and he stayed away from the cut knowing that, you know, Cody's not going to be able to see out of his eyes if that keeps bleeding. Yeah. Well, and then uh, the match ends. Uh, I had seen MJF was holding a towel on the ring apron. I looked over at the guy next to me. I go, I think MJF's going to throw the talent on Cody. He's like, nah. And then he threw it in. I mean, after the match, you have the, the two sitting Man. there. For, yeah. That, well, I'll, I'll put it all together here. He throws the towel. They get in the ring. They do the face off. Everybody's waiting for Cody to hit MJF. And MJF decides to kick Cody in the groin and take off here. So a lot of questions. Like, what does it mean that he threw in the towel? Because Cody said if he didn't win... He was never going to vie for the world title again, but he didn't give up. So does he, is that his out for, for the stipulation you think? Man, I mean, the, I think, I think that's definitely the out combined with the fact that Cody said, I will never challenge for the title again. If I lose that also puts the onus on him of, I will never challenge. That doesn't mean that the person holding the title can't challenge him. You know, they could try to redefine it with that sort of sense of minutia if they want to. But, uh, but yeah, no, I think the, the match was good. The ending surprised me. I thought Cody was going to turn on him. And, uh, and, and, and I didn't even know how that would go, you know? Like, I mean, Brandy just took this harsh right turn down Heelville, and it got dark. So I'm like, maybe Cody's going to mirror that and have his own run of something darker and change his look or, you know, turn on the rest of the elite. It starts with MJF, and then it turns into him turning on the other guys or something. You know, I, I did not expect what happened. And then, by the way, that fan I think got in trouble for throwing that drink. But I just give props. Whatever fan threw that drink at MJF, it made that moment, dude. Yep. It made that moment. That's some like Bash of the Beach '96 crap. I'm totally fine with that. Once in a while, I thought it was great. Well, and I, uh, I, I the, the, my only note here was like I thought Cody was going to hit MJF too, and I, I'm I'm going into this with an open mind. You know, MJF's a great heel. Cody's a great storyteller. I'm sure they've got a lot of pl- lot planned, but I think it's going to be harder for MJF 
um, not being the one fighting uh, fighting up, so to speak. You know, being the one to try to kind of punch down at Cody Rhodes because he got one over on him. Right. I, I, I think in my head it's just an easier play to have Cody turn on MJF and MJF come out and be like, I'm a dick, but at least I was nice to you. You know, and he could still kind of be him, and then the fans see him as this kind of anti-hero. I don't know how this is going to play with him just 100% full-on heel punching down a Cody, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's a moment for – I agree with you. I kind of I kind of would have preferred Cody turning on him or, or something of that ilk, but I think right now outside of Jericho, there's a really cozy spot for someone who can do great heel work and is a talker. And I think that's MJF. I think he'll be like in that second slot of heel underneath Jericho based on his mouth way more than his in ring work. And, uh, and I think that's a good spot for him, assuming he can keep it going and they'll, and they'll have engaging storylines. Um, because I think guys like Pac, I, I love that guy. And he's, he's got a great look. He looks like a character from a Star Wars movie or Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter or something like he's got this great presence, but he's not a mic worker. Uh, he's not a mic guy. So I think, I think this is that moment for MJF to take the step up and, and move up and have that moment. But um, I don't know. What do you think? I, again, I guess I'm being kind of vague. It's going to be about the promo, right? You know, two weeks ago, Moxley was the one who cut the promo uh, that everybody buzzed about. Last week, it was Cody that cut the promo everybody buzzed about. This is MJF's moment, MJF's moment to grab that microphone, have that spotlight, and make his case and have this all make sense. You know, because, again, I just think it's going to be harder for yeah. MJF to punch down on Cody I don't know how fans are going to react yes. to him. So it'll be it'll, it'll solely be on how he handles himself this week, I think, that's going to set the tone for how this how this goes forward. That's fair, right? Completely agree. No, yeah, it'll be it'll be all about promo versus promo and um, hopefully they can have a good in-ring match. I haven't been that impressed with MJF's physicality yet. Um I think he's one of the top 3 on the mic. His uh his inner or his his work behind the desk uh, on AEW Dark when he was doing like the heel commentary, some of the most entertaining stuff I've seen from the entire company. I thought it was amazing. Um, but once again, I can't tell you one MJF match that I like. But I'm like, <laughs> oh, you got to watch this MJF match. Wait till the one with Cody. I think that'll be it. Um, all right. And last but that'll not least, last but not least, here we'll take it home with the unsanctioned lights out match between John Moxley and Kenny Omega. Uh, everything under the sun. This was a 40-minute ode to deathmatch wrestling on, from Kenny Omega or from John Moxley that Kenny Omega participated in. Uh, you had you know trash cans at first, but this led to glass and steel chains and mouse traps, and of course we got the uh, web of barbed wire death um, uh, that that came out at the end. I personally loved this, but I'm also a weirdo who grew up like uh, it, loving McFoley and reading all about the Kawasaki Dream, and uh, I like GCW. Sure. I I couldn't do it myself, um, uh, and it, you know people be like, how can you be for deathmatch wrestling, but like not be for chair shots to the head? And it's like, well, these guys cut themselves up, and they're all knowing they're scarring themselves up, but they're they're able to go home and read a book and focus on things, you know, they're not right. always bashing each other in the head with stuff, uh, so to speak. So I, I, I liked it, but when I got down to the press pool afterwards, I was surprised how many people did not like this match, Paul. This is a very divisive match, I feel. I, how do I put this? 
I feel I feel the way about the the Moxley Omega match how I feel about the movie Joker. Um, I think it's like a masterpiece, but I don't want to see it very often. Yeah. So like. I enjoyed the match, but I don't think they should have one of those matches more than once every 18 months or something. Like, once every year and a half, they should have one of those crazy matches where, you know, throw in a flaming table, someone will singe their arm, they'll be fine, it won't be a big deal. Like, you can do stuff like that, but you just have to watch how often you do it uh, and make sure that the, you don't raise the ceiling too high where someone can get seriously injured. Because I, Owen Hart died from from a very practical thing that many people had done time and again from Shawn Michaels to Sting. So if people can die of practical things, think of the impractical, stupid things we're putting them through that they could have horrible accidents with. So we got to be careful, too. I, uh, Paul, I don't think you're going to get your wish. I think you're going to see more of this. Um, I even pressed uh, No Baloney Tony afterwards in the scrum about this, uh, where I was like, you know, you've done three of these. No. I was like, you know, you've done three of these now. And like an, in a pretty short period of time, within like a six month period, I feel like we've seen three of these unsanctioned lights out matches. Um, are, is this going to be a regular thing? And I tried to give him the out where I was like, or are you going to keep this for special occasions? And he's like, nah, man, this is a very common thing. These do all the time back in the day. You know, two guys, they can't handle a feud. We're fine. We're not going to oh sanction it. So we're going to unsanction the match. We're going to turn the lights out. You guys can deal with your beef and, and fight it out in the ring. You're going to get more of this, and my guess is the next up to the plate for John Moxley is our good buddy Jimmy Havoc, who we started the show talking about here today. Um, I think that's going to be, and I think they're. Gonna, I mean, we haven't seen gusset plates, we haven't seen light tubes. We, there's so we're so many other car crash uh, outlaw mud show tactics that John Moxley has just been dying to get to do because that's what he loves. That's his style. So I think, get, I mean, get ready, man. Yeah. I think get ready for it. I mean, listen, I, I, I don't, I don't go into a John Moxley match waiting for, you know, uh, corkscrew planches and enziguries and like, you know, surfboards. I go into those matches expecting, you know, DDTs and bulldogs and, and, and punches and tables. It's, He's got his own style and he's sort of refining it now where we can say, Oh, this is a John Moxley match. Um, and I thought the match was really great. I thought the ending was, you know, a guy should not take a devastating DDT onto a bunch of wood twice and not get pinned. Correct. So I'm glad they stopped when they did. I, I love Johnny Gargano and I love NXT, but those matches where Gargano's like, taking seven finishers and he's still kicking out does those get a little stupid after a while. Um, so I think, you know, him taking those two DDTs on the pine and, and calling it, I think that was the right call. And the, uh, I'll just say the one thing I'll point out from the match that was memorable to me is the barbed wire spider thing that they kept referring to, like it was a normal thing. And I'm like, the hell are you talking about a barbed wire spider web? And then they went into it and it looked, it just looked, oh, it was just gruesome, man. It was great. Yeah, and uh, this brings me to the the finish here. You know, I told you, Paul, we were going to go 2030. Uh, we went an hour here. I have to go take a shower and go meet friends okay. for lunch. Uh, but I couldn't, I couldn't, We I enjoyed the banter so much, I couldn't stop. So let's, let's wrap this up Same. by saying where we go from here. Because I'm expecting some kind of handshake between Omega and Moxley on Dynamite. Uh, these two men go their separate ways. Again, I think Moxley's going to get pulled into some other satanic uh, type feud. 
Um, and then I don't know where you go with Kenny, but I, you know, I think that, I think this has got, I mean, I, this has got to be it. I think we're going to get a handshake on, on Wednesday. Yeah, I think, uh, I think Moxie Omega is probably done for the time. And I think both guys will probably take it easy for a week or two to reemerge with, with some form of new feud. But, uh, to be honest, the only question I have going into the month of November and December before the end of the year is where the hell is Marty Skrull? Great that is question. the only thing on my mind right now. I want to know when Marty Skrull is coming to AEW. Uh, I saw him in PWG back in the day. I just saw him a week or two ago at ROH in London. I missed the guy, and I feel like um, this whole inner circle versus elite uh, needs the intercession of Marty Skrull. I'm hoping it's coming soon. Agreed. Uh, all right, I will wrap it there. Paul, what do you – you know, I always end my interviews by saying, is there anything you'd like to plug – promote put over here do you want to like pick a couple things like i don't know you're doing a million things what are you what are you most passionate about that you want to let everybody know to go check out uh right now i just want to plug richard jewel this is a clint easton movie i did it comes out friday december 13th uh not yeah yeah in america it's december friday december 13th and then it'll it'll come to the uk and other spots in january february but the movie means a lot to me. It's a true story. I play this guy who has since passed, who was blamed for the bombing at the 96 Olympics, but of course he was the guy who found the bomb and saved a bunch of lives. So it's an important film, and uh, and I'm really proud of the work everybody did, and, and I got to work with one of my heroes, Sam Rockwell. So if you guys can check that out, that would mean the world to me. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining today's media briefing with Cody EVP at All Elite Wrestling. All phones will remain muted for the duration of the call. We will open lines individually at the end of the opening remarks for any questions you may have. If you would like to ask a question, there is a hand icon on the GoTo dashboard. Please click the icon to indicate that you have a question. We will unmute lines and announce your name as hands are raised to allow you to ask your question, but again, only at the end of the opening remarks. We will control the mute and unmute for all lines. Your phone must be unmuted on your end to allow us to open your line to ask a question. Once you have asked your question, we will mute your line again to avoid any background noise. If you have another question, please click the icon again. You can also type in a question anytime during the presentation in the questions section of the dashboard. We will address those questions during the Q&A time. I will now turn the call over to Jim Woodcock. Thank you, Robin, and thank you all for joining. Uh, tomorrow night, uh, AEW will light up Baltimore with full gear, uh, the highly anticipated event airing live from Royal Farms Arena. As you know, Full Gear is the first pay-per-view event since Dynamite premiered on TNT a little over a month ago. The card is stacked with uh, high-octane battles that could all be considered main events on their own. Of course, the headliner is Cody challenging the inaugural AEW World Champion Chris Jericho, but we also have John Moxley versus Kenny Omega, Hangman Page versus Pac, The Young Bucks versus Santana and Ortiz, and much more. Fans can stream Full Gear on Bleacher Report Live tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Eastern. And starting at 7.30 p.m., the pre-show will be available on the AEW YouTube channel. 
If you saw Wednesday Night Dynamite two nights ago, you can imagine what's in store tomorrow night in Baltimore. So to give us a little taste, we have us, with us live in Baltimore, AEW Executive Vice President Cody. So without further ado, let's turn the call over to Cody for some opening thoughts, and then we can open the lines for questions. Cody? Good afternoon, everybody. The last time uh, we talked, it was on the cusp of our very first Dynamite, the, the premiere episode on TNT. And since then, the show has become the biggest premiere uh, for Warner Media TNT in five years. So these conference calls are almost a good luck charm for me and AEW. So I want to answer as many questions as possible. Let's go ahead and dive in right now. Okay, fantastic. So let's let's start off. Let's start with uh, Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net. Jason, are, are you there? I am, yes. Uh, Cody, it's been said by some that, are, that time off is a wrestler's worst enemy. Now, you guys had a longer layoff between shows before Dynamite started. Now you're working once a week or so. Please talk about the differences in terms of how your body responds to working a so-called full-time schedule for WWE compared to your current schedule in AEW. Uh, I think you've got to be able to get your reps as a professional wrestler. There's really no way to, to train for pro wrestling, the, the cardio aspect of it. Uh, road work is what the old-timers used to call it. Actual long, long runs was one of the only things they could kind of equate to it, but still because there's a nature of, of theatrics, of sports, of bodybuilding, of, of the vanity of it all, it is very difficult to prepare for doing it other than doing it itself. So in these six weeks, it, it's been nice to, to for, for men and women to get their reps in. And AEW Dark, which has been a, like a monster hit for the All Elite YouTube, there's a reason that those matches uh, – are going a little bit longer. Not only do we want, you know, to give the fans the long quality sports centric type matches, but we want our, our talent to be able to push themselves uh, and, and do so uh, in that way. So it's, it's nice to be back on. There is such a thing as too much. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed for this particular rivalry with Chris and myself, I have not wrestled as frequently on the show and that, to me, at, at my age and where I'm at in my career, I don't. I feel the best ever going into this show tomorrow, the most prepared. And I think that's a big thing that AEW, one of our big feathers in our cap is preparation as a team. So it's somewhere in the middle, you know, if that makes any sense. Thanks, Cody. So let's, uh, let's now jump over to Stephanie Francombe from... Steel Chair Magazine. Steph, are you there? Yes, I'm there. Uh, thank you, Cody, for, for this, uh, this, for your time. Uh, so my name is Stephanie from Steel Chair Magazine in United Kingdom. I'm calling you from France, and I wanted to have, ask you this question about the promo that you did, uh, two days ago on Dynamite. You, you had, how do you feel about the critical acclaim that you had? Uh, for this promo and the comparisons that were made uh, to your father, uh, legendary Art Times promo. Thank you. The opportunity and the, the interview that I got to be part of with Tony Schiavone uh, in Charlotte on the most recent episode of Dynamite, 
you know when you go back through the curtain, some there sometimes you don't have to ask anybody was it good, was you know was it bad, you know. And the funny thing about it is I could not hear myself because as a as a production, there's some things we we are adding to our complement, including a speaker in the ring for talent to get their to be able to hear themselves when they're talking on a microphone. So it was sensory overload for me out there. Uh, I was very connected to to what I was stating because it's my life. You know, I it is sometimes a curse to not be able to hide under a mask or be a character, and then there are times it is a blessing. And right now it's been a blessing. I'm not hiding from who I am. I'm not hiding from my position here. Uh, what I said in the interview about not challenging for the AEW World Championship ever again, if I don't beat Chris, is very authentic. There's no plot, you know, logic device or, or hole in that statement. That That's something I had heard from fans, and that controversy was surrounding people like my dad, like Bill Watts and Vern Gagne, and I, I refused to have that controversy in my my run. We have enough young and hungry men and women that I want to help showcase, and at the same time, I'm in the best run of my career, so that if I'm not so worried about all the comparisons and praise, including from somebody like The Rock, all you can do is kind of tip, tip your cap back at them. Um, I, I, I prepare for this job, and I prepared for that moment, and it, it's this is the biggest rivalry I've ever been involved with, and the stakes are as high as they've ever been. It, wrestling is best when it's real, so I don't know if you can even call it a promo. It was just a real statement for me, and I'm glad it resonated with fans. I, I really am. Thanks, Steph, and thanks, um, Cody. We're going to jump now to Bill Bodkin from Pop Break. Bill, are you happy to be there? Yes, I am. Cody, thanks for taking the time. Um, a lot of people saying this is the biggest match of your very long, very illustrious career. I know what you said in the promo, but tell us today, Cody Rhodes, in your gut, how important in your career, in your life, is this match and why? I had a really good coach and mentor in my career and in my life, a man I met in Los Angeles named Howard Fine. And one of the things that Howard Fine used to say to me all the time uh, when, you know, talking about this job a bit was he'd say, the truth doesn't need weight. And in entertainment, we put weight on things all the time. The biggest spectacle ever, The you know, there's always these qualifiers and this you enter into hyperbole and exaggeration. But I've had no problem with this because it isn't an exaggeration. This is the biggest match of my career. It's coming at the most perfect time in my career. I found my stance in the batter's box. I, believe me, when the company, you know, started in January, and I know that someone like Kenny Omega is on the roster, and then Chris Jericho enters the fray, and then John Moxley, in addition to being an EVP, well, I want to be the quarterback, and the only thing that wins in today's wrestling isn't politics, it, it isn't any of the things that plagued wrestling years ago, it's content. Being able to go out there and get the best reaction because you're giving them 
the best competition. You're giving them the best performance. And for me, every I, I don't want to hit a slump. I, I've got to keep going onwards and upwards. There's a lot riding on this. I don't mean to get emotional or on a rant here, but I don't just take my own pressure into these matches. There's a great deal of pressure that's been put on us by the fan base, um, the laps fan, the returner, these fans who are back who, who want what we said to not be campaign promises. They want what we said to be real. And so far, it has been. So I carry that into every match, and I don't think it's too much weight. That's the pressure I want. That's what I prepared for. I've had a lifetime to prepare for a 60-minute match that that's coming uh, tomorrow night, and it's moving really fast. But I'm gonna take I'm gonna take it all in because it is the biggest match of my career uh, for the most important title, and I like I said the truth the truth doesn't need weight. It would it would be the pinnacle of my career, as my mother said. Uh, to leave Royal Farms Arena the AEW world champion. Thanks, Bill, and thanks, thanks Cody. Uh, next up, I'd like to introduce Sean Ross Sapp from Fightful. Sean, are you there? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Yes. yes. Uh, Cody, you had mentioned earlier this week in an interview, I don't know when you did the interview, but there were certain aspects of, of production from other companies that, you didn't quite like now in stepping behind the camera and all in all these different roles are there some of those things that you've really seen just you don't need and some of them that you kind of discovered okay now i now i see why they did that type of thing oh yeah um i think if you you read some of my interviews or the stuff that gets clickbaited it sounds like i can't stand uh kevin dunn and the way he produced wrestling but that's not the case Kevin Dunn is, you know, if you look at WrestleMania, has made he's made a, a footprint of the spectacle event. He's done wonderful things with production, and I like taking the things that I did get from WWE in my time there, the good ones, and bringing them into our production. But also, there's an aspect of production that is more sports based that Keith Mitchell brings that I love. I mean, you couldn't see uh, a camera or a light on stage uh, with tape on it, if that makes any sense. There's these, these things that were just outlawed, and these rules that I said, they're not pro wrestling rules, they're WWE rules. There's a grit and difference to the way Keith Mitchell produces uh, our television and Tim Walbert, our master director, directs it. And the thing I like the most is there is no, and it's something that's been very important to me as an EVP, and it's something that I include in every weekly debrief, because I debrief every show, is that the production and the talent, the production and the AEW staff are a family. You guys need to know each other's names. You guys don't need to bark at each other. These cameramen on the floor will become your best friend. Uh, and I've already seen people like Darby Allen learning to talk you know, with the cameramen and learning, you know, hey, look for this and look for that. He's ahead of the curve. Uh, all the greats were able to do that. There's this time-honored, and I don't know why it's time-honored, element of, like, production and, and the creative pushback on each other. With us, with AEW, I, I will not allow it, and neither will Matt, Nick, King, or Tony. Uh, we're a family, and we're going to be together every week. Um, so I, I just really like how Keith Mitchell produces television. Uh, it, there's an element of danger and spontaneity 
and grit to it that I think belongs in wrestling. Thank you. Thank you both. Uh, we're going to take a, a question from that's been uh, uh, messaged or IM to us. And this one's going to come from Rich Achino from uh, ESPN 1530 in Sportskedia. And Rich wants to know, Cody, you've mentioned before that championships are going to matter more in AEW. That said, there's a lot of young talent on the roster. What are the chances of adding a mid-card championship to give the younger guys something to fight for? The chances of adding a mid-card title or a prize, I guess the only thing that makes me – I get frustrated when I hear the term mid-card. I know that it exists. I do. And I'm someone who toiled in the mid-card myself. But as a talent, you never consider anything you're doing mid-card. I didn't consider my run with the Intercontinental Championship mid-card. I wanted it to be the best thing. I wanted it to rise above. If you look at Wembley Stadium in 1992, uh, it rose above uh, the, the main match. If you look at Wrestle Kingdom, the year that, that their IC title uh, would go on last, the same thing. So I, I just the term mid-card gets at me. Maybe it's personal, just like when I hear casual fan because it's this thrown around vernacular that isn't always actually describing anything real uh, and functional. With all my little rant aside, I think it's very possible in the next, you know, month or so there will be a prize uh, of of some sorts uh, for uh, the guys rising through the ranks because that is important uh, to wrestling. And there's so many great ones out there uh, that we've, you know, looked at through history, uh, those great titles. But I never would consider it a mid-card title, and that's why it's been slow. It's not for – we feel the same way you feel in your line of questioning, but we've got to make sure that the women's championship in Rio is respected at the same level that Chris Jericho is the world champion. And then Frankie, Frankie Kazarian and, and Scorpio Sky, seeing them this morning go make the media rounds in Baltimore with the titles. Um, it's not willy-nilly handing these belts out, handing these prizes out. They matter, and the next one will matter uh, just as much. Thanks, Cody. We're going to go back to the lines now and open one up for Bill Pritchard from WrestleZone. Bill, you, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah. Sure. Hello? Yes, we can hear you. Oh, okay. Uh, so I wanted to follow up on a question I asked you a few weeks ago about the ranking system, if there's any update on that. Perfect question. And if I slam my hand on the table and it messed up the mic, I'm sorry. The, uh, t- today, uh, hopefully, this, this evening, we will have the top fives out for not only men, but for tag and for the women's division. Um, and that was something that I promised when we last spoke, and I'm ex- excited it's happening. And, you know, before Full Gear and Full Gear being the first pay-per-view of the Dynamite era and the third major event of our big four. Uh, so you will see uh, rankings today. And if you don't, you can all call me out and, Internet the heck out of me because I just I just checked the lineup for sure the top fives are going out today as promised um, and uh, they'll be out hopefully every Friday. Thanks both. Uh, now we're going to open a line here for Donny Leader from Fandom and SYFY Wire. Donny. Uh, hi Cody. Uh, 
before the uh, premiere of Dynamite, you sent out a tweet regarding wanting uh, feedback from fans about how to make the show better, you know, what they love, what they uh, don't necessarily love. Um, how difficult has it been so far to separate constructive criticism versus complaining to complain? And do you have an example of any feedback you've received so far that you've applied since uh, Dynamite's debut? Yeah, I mean, there is a difference between constructive criticism and then what I would call narrative criticism, people who are sucked into the narrative, which is a beautiful thing if you're a pro wrestler and you can have that. Uh, one example, just to give you, because I do every week, it's one thing that I love doing. I'm not sure everybody else loves receiving them, but I debrief every show, meaning we could have an absolute grand slam home run show. You're still going to get an email from me the next day, everybody, every department that says, hey, here's something I thought we could do better, and that will happen for as long as I can think. But one example is music has been discussed a lot. And the music, when you watch a WWE program, is piped into the mix. It's piped into the feed. And there's been a lot of people who want to hear the songs more. And I think we will bump the audio levels on the mix for the songs, but we don't like piping it into the mid program for the fact that we want to hear our audience. AEW has a really raucous, wild environment. If you've been to a show live, I can't compare it to another wrestling show because it, it's genuinely, there's very little sitting on hands. There's, there's a lot of fire in that audience, and we want to hear them. And at the cost sometimes of not hearing the music, um, we would rather hear the fans as loud as they are because they've been so generous and, and we're so grateful for them. And hopefully uh, Royal Farms is that same type of echoing, just massive acoustic boom that comes with an AEW show. But just as an example, music is something that I monitor every week because I want to make sure there's a difference. You know, I want to hear our people, but if the fans really are asking for and want to hear these songs like Chris's Judas or my Kingdom, or Super Kick Party, or Private Party's music. I mean, there's so many good songs that Mikey Ruckus, um, our composer, has developed for us. So that's an example of, of one that I think we'll, you will see tweaked. But I love, I love the, the constructive criticism. I really do. There is, it's quite easy to, to spot, even with millions and millions of engagements on social media. It's not that hard to see the difference between a troll someone who wants to see you fail, and then just someone who says something, oh, and then you see it again, and then you see it again. And we have a great social media and digital director who monitors that throughout the show and annoyingly comes, stands over my shoulder in the go position and tells me, hey, this was wrong. We need to fix this. So we're all, we're all very much, uh, no one's taking for granted what we have here. Cody, next up, Anthony Suter. From Smart to Death Podcast. Anthony, you there? Yes, I'm here. Can you guys hear me? Yes, sir. Awesome. So uh, my question is about the women's division, and uh, you mentioned earlier that you want the women's title to be uh, respected as well as the world title. Uh, my question is we see just one match per week for the women's division on Dynamite and one on Dark. Is, are there any plans to feature more of this division? so the fans at home can uh, get to know the rest of the women's roster in AEW? Absolutely. Not only plans to have uh, more women's representation on Dynamite, but not just in match form, in VTR, in interview, in vignette. Um, 
form. One thing that's kind of, I, don't, I wouldn't say been difficult, but been an honest element of what we're doing is we have a lot of foreign uh, talent. And foreign talent, to do it properly, uh, requires a, a work visa. And those in this political climate are rather difficult to get. And we've been great. Chris Harrington and uh, Christopher Daniels have been outstanding about procuring and, and making sure that our, our Joshi females, uh, making, making sure people like, uh, you know, Shana from Portugal, making sure they all get in properly, legally. And um, so that, that's been something that's kind of been difficult uh, in terms of the representation because we have a very international women's division, which I don't know if you guys uh, know. I'm just kind of going on a bit of a detour here. But Emmy and Riho, their match uh, this Saturday, maybe the one I'm looking forward to the most, the teacher versus student aspect of it, and what Kenny Omega is doing and trying to do with the women's division is is really something that that deserves praise and, and he's he's really trying to do something different and this is a, a merit-based sport-centric wrestling show so it's it's different than perhaps wrestling you've seen out there and I really I just Riho I've I think we've all fallen in love with her and that this audience has fallen in love with her yet a southern based crowd uh, chanting this is awesome for two women who they have definitely never seen before uh, this past you know week in Charlotte and that that's a great indicator. But to answer your question, uh, for sure, the women's representation will uptick, uh, and I'd say probably immediately um, coming out of full gear. Thank you so much. <clears throat> Thanks both. Uh, next up, I'd like to introduce Chris Mueller from BleacherReport.com. Chris, you with us? Yes, I am. How you doing? Can you guys hear me? We can hear you, Chris. Okay, great. All right, so, Cody, now that you're in a new role, well, not new necessarily, but now that you're in this uh, managerial backstage role, since Dynamite has launched, what do you think is the biggest lesson you've learned about producing a live TV show every week, and what do you foresee being your biggest possible hurdle going forward? The biggest lesson... I've heard, you know, learned particularly uh, as an EVP. I call it what's the I call it the diplomacy of wrestling, and it's how we speak to each other. And I have a few. There's a lot of people who I'm sure you have people in your own life that when something goes wrong or goes differently, uh, there's an element of panic. And I refuse panic when it comes to that two-hour broadcast. We have to hit our crossover, we have to make our commercial times, we have to go off with enough pad and please our Warner Media partners. So if a problem comes up, we've got to move on to the next thing. And that's something that it's it's kind of silly, but I, I don't let anyone run up to me at, at TV and say, here's the thing, or hey, we've got an issue. You have to start with a, hey, how are you? Uh, it's something as simple as that, really. I, I don't like panic, and it's in, it's in a lot of people, the, the nature of panicking. But I've also really found some unsung heroes as far as production goes that we couldn't do this without. Um, and, you know, from our associate producers, our coaches, uh, if anything, I've learned, a huge lesson I've learned is the, the value of a coach. Uh, Dean Malenko hosted a tag team seminar uh, last week, and, man, the value of a coach 
uh, Arn Anderson was there this this past week, and you know Arn Anderson is not uh, connected with AEW other than in a peripheral element, and he he did you know AEW Dark, and the value of these guys who drew money and entertained people. That's so important to instill. Even if the generation is totally different, even if the matches are totally different, there's still that ring, there's still that fan in the seat. There's magic in their words. So that's something, the value of a coach, the value of a proper security force, the value of good production, the value of a good director, the value of great stagehands. Uh, Chris Dispenza, who's been a stagehand in wrestling for years, and he's the one who made the go position, the dusty position. I'm just, I could just rattle off every name, but the value in people uh, who build you up. When I go out and there's the big pyro and this big presentation, I'm a product of 30 people uh, propping me up to look, to look like that and be represented like that. And uh, Greg Werner. I could go on and on. I, I might as well just tweet you a list of people who would just do a great job. The, the PR team with Mandy and Jim and Skyler, just everyone. The value of those people, you can't undersell it. The biggest hurdle uh, for us is maintaining the buzz, maintaining the, 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 the cool thing. And that is that I don't think is as big as a hurdle as we think because all we have to do is stay disciplined and true to ourselves cannot change what we plan, and we cannot become a reactionary brand. Um, the only reactionary brand we can be is reactionary to our own audience, not to what somebody else is doing on TV. Thank you both. Right, thank you. Next up, Jeremy Thomas from 411 Mania. Jeremy, good afternoon and good morning, wherever you're at. Good morning. Uh, hi, Cody. Um, so the ratings for Dynamite left to have hit stability this week. Uh, I know that you said that the initial numbers exceeded expectations, but after those projections were readjusted, is this about where you expected it to land, and where do you go to grow the audience from here? The biggest thing for me in growing the audience is giving them something to talk about throughout the week and finding characters that they – that they want to follow and they want to root for, that being characters you already know, people like John Moxley, but also characters who you're seeing for the first time and you, you want them to be your guy or your girl. As far as ratings, you know, we had the biggest premiere for TNT in five years. And we live in the era of cord cutters and DVR bumps. And one thing that wrestling journalists tend to do, and I don't mean journalists as more as I mean the more like bitter and, and critical is they they look at things from the standpoint of 1997, or they even look at things as the standpoint of the early 2000s. When every year we're dealing we're dealing with an absolutely different medium. We're not only looking at our Nielsen's, we're looking at our social Nielsen's. We're looking at our, our, our ITV representation. We're looking at our fight usage. We're we're looking at uh, an amazing amount of data. And Chris Harrington, who some of you in this world know Chris Harrington well. Not the, you know, a unique guy, but man, what a smart, smart individual who is showing us and giving us those projections. I'm very happy personally. Uh, there's obviously room to grow. I want the most amount of souls and eyes watching this show as possible. But for six weeks um, to defeat, I mean, if we just say it out loud, I'm not saying it to be braggart or braggadocious, six weeks in a row – We've gone head-to-head -head with WWE, the biggest wrestling company in the world. And six weeks in a row, they've been on the losing end. 
and they've provided massive stars and great wrestlers like AJ Styles and Finn Balor on their product, and they're still behind. And that, to me, speaks to what we have. It speaks to this revolution that so many people will say, hey, it's not real. Those fans aren't real. Those returners aren't real. It's all lip service. It's not. If you come to a single show and you see that people don't leave after our main event, that they stay in their seats and they wait even for something else, you'll know and you'll, you'll see the feeling. So I love coming out this week, uh, having you know gone back up after the World Series, which kind of threw everything in a different state of flux. I want to continue onwards and upwards, reaching the number uh, from the first week and then moving forward. And the only way we're going to do that, is, is the actual characters. It doesn't have as much to do with topical spots and ads and, and the marketing of it all. It has everything to do with the simple old Dusty Rhodes outlook on it. Go out there and get over. And if people go out there and get over, it makes everyone's job easier. And I'm, I think we have all the tools to do it. We have the best roster, we have the best talent, and we've got the best damn attitude. Thank you, Cody. Next up, I'd like to introduce Wade Sheridan from UPI. Wade, you there? Yes, hi. Thank you, Cody, for doing this. Um, I want to ask, can you go into more detail about the three judges who will be on hand to score your match with Jericho if the time limit runs out? Will they be familiar faces? And I want to ask, uh, will the three judges thing be used in the future for future championship matches? As far as the judges are concerned, uh, I am not tasked because it is my match and it's a conflict of interest. I'm not tasked with picking the judges, but I know that per, per Tony Khan, the judges are championship caliber judges. So, yes, familiar faces. Uh, I saw someone online compare this to something that uh, TNA had done, and I had to, all the best of me had to bite my tongue and basically say, yeah, the makeup artist isn't going to be a judge. Um, these are these are qualified judges, as far as I know, and it's within their hands fully uh, if it goes to 60 minutes. And looking forward down the road at more title matches, if it's something that the promotion decides is this type of match needs these judges here, if it goes 60 minutes, if the champion's advantage is not going to be in play because the judges – is much more in my favor than I think it is in Chris's favor. But with all that said, I just gave the world my word and giving you my word that I'm never challenging for the world title again if uh, I don't defeat Chris Jericho. So I think this type of match more than ever needed it. And looking forward down the road, I wouldn't be surprised if you see the judges not only for you know, the AEW World Championship, the AEW Women's World Championship. Uh, I think it's a great thing. Uh, it's been done in wrestling before uh, very successfully. Um, so I, I think I think you'll be excited, and I think Baltimore will be excited to see the judges we have. Thanks, Cody. We'd like, <clears throat> like to now introduce John Alba from Spectrum Sports and Living the Gimmick. John, you with us? Yes, I am. Thanks for taking my question, guys. Um, Cody, the last time we spoke, I asked you about Turner's involvement with the production of Dynamite, and you said that it would be largely hands-off. Uh, what has their response been thus far to how you guys have presented the show? And, and an aside, they also mentioned that they're going to be integrating Bleacher Report Live into the Bleacher Report app in the near future. Uh, do you anticipate that to affect what you guys are doing in any way? 
So far, smooth sailing as the partnership is concerned. The feedback they've provided has been really production-like additions. Uh, something as, you know, I don't know if you've seen, there's cameras on the top of the turnbuckle posts, and they're mobile cameras. There is the sky cam, uh, which has only been seen in football up to this point. There's what we call the people's cam. Uh, these are all additions uh, by Sam and Brett at Warner Media, who only want our show to look the absolute best. And they know that wrestling, when done right, has a cinematic and dramatic feel that they just want to add their own lenses to. They have been blessed to have them um, as partners in terms of those production additions and things that they're teaching me. I'm, I'm learning every day uh, on the job, and that, that's something I've been really happy to have them. And There's a lot of honesty and transparency, and that's something that's been instilled in the elite from the beginning. If something works on TV, that's what you go with. If something doesn't work, you can't pretend. And we, we've maintained that honesty and transparency. And so far, like I said, smooth sailing. Bleacher Report and their, their partnership with Warner Media, I could definitely foresee that uh, maybe leaning into some sort of specials, um, you know, special events that aren't Wednesday Night Dynamite but aren't also uh, one of our four major pay-per-views. Uh, you know, Fighter particularly was a special fight for the Fallen. I think we want to lean in and access them as, as much as we can because they're a really great streaming service and growing streaming service. And, you know, they're, the, the interface is easy to use, such an important thing to, to a fan. So, for sure. Cody, I'd like to read to you uh, um, a question we got from Greg Gardini from One Nation Under Sports. <clears throat> Greg asked, knowing how much your father loved the business, and, and with you working with other up, uh, with other up and coming wrestlers at the PC later, or actually with with your dad working with other up and coming wrestlers at the PC later in his life, what do you think he would think about what you're doing with AEW and bringing to the viewer some wrestlers that they may not be familiar with, uh, but are great, you know, up and coming stars such as Darby and Private Party? That's such a you know loaded question. I I wish I could, you know, wake him up uh, basically and, and, and ask him and, and there would be so much I would have to explain. But wrestling sometimes explains itself if you just put the show on. I'll give you an example. When my dad went to ECW, he was dreading it. He was dreading walking into the tabernacle, I believe, in Georgia to go and be, you know, made fun of by Steve Carino. And that night when he came back, he was in love with it. It had changed his outlook, and it literally filled his soul back up. With, with wrestling, had broken his heart for a little while, and then, bam, uh, he was back in the game, and the fans brought him back in, and the talent, and the psychology and, and, and take that they had on wrestling was vastly different from what Dusty was doing in Florida or Jim Crockett Promotions. But he had an open mind, and I think that's all you'd have to do is, is sit him down, in front of Dynamite, and I think he would really be not just happy for, for me, um, you know, not just happy for Dustin or Brandy or any of his old cohorts who are now my cohorts. I think he'd be happy for wrestling. Look at our look at our current situation in the world. It's the most divisive we've ever been as a country, and it's happening globally. 
never more has entertainment and wrestling been such a valued service and, and creating that escape for fans. He genuinely believed that. The American dream was very real in that his job was making people forget about their days, forget about their concerns, and enjoy something that they could enjoy on a weekly basis. So if he sees dynamite, he sees that, and I, I, I'm the I'm the expert on Dusty. A lot of people like to tell me they're the expert on what he would like and what he wouldn't. I knew the man. I could tell you what he would like, and what he would like is fans going nuts, uh, which is something that we've had the benefit of of doing. As Tully Blanchard would say, keep them the loudest, the longest. And Dusty was the same way. And I would just show him dynamite, and I know he'd love it. Thanks, Cody. Um, we only have time for one more question, so I'm going to do a little lottery here, spin the wheel. Um, and uh, Rich Fan, Rich Fan from Pro Wrestling Torch, you, you emerge from the finals uh, from everyone. So you get to ask the last question. Rich, are you there? I am, and thank you for this opportunity. Uh, Cody, last time I talked with you during a press conference, you mentioned, uh, you challenged me to tweet you wrestlers of color that may have slipped through the cracks or didn't get opportunities, and I thank you for kind of putting the money where your mouth is. Uh, my question is about content itself. So with AEW, you have these fans that kind of fell away, and now they're coming back. But you also have AEW Dark. You have Being the Elite. You have your Road to series. How do you think the best way is to get those fans engaged and not have an expectation to consume all of it, part of it, or none of it outside of Dynamite? Well, I think Dynamite is the is the hub is the hub for for individuals. If they catch up on Dynamite, all of those shows, all of that shoulder content you mentioned should have a heartbeat on Dynamite. That's something that Jim Ross taught me. And I thought, you know, Jim Ross, I thought he wasn't even going to watch Dark. Not only did he watch Dark, he told me this should be something we bring up on our show. This should be something that, you know, webs, webs outwardly. So the hub is Dynamite. And then engaging the fan base. Like I said, content is king. It's not Perception is no longer reality in wrestling. Reality is reality. So engaging the fan base enough for them to reach out. But I always look at any element of shoulder content, whether it's BTE, whether it's AW Dark, whether it's Road 2, um, no matter what it is, we should never treat anything as mandatory because then I think we begin to insult people. Like I have to, I have to watch all this uh, to catch up. Everyone knows I'm a gigantic Star Wars uh, fan, whether it's uh, the Zahn novels or Dave Filoni's series and all these things he expanded outward. That, that, to me, doesn't mean you're not a Star Wars fan if you didn't watch Clone Wars or Rebels or read the books and know, you know, these characters are. If you watch the movies, if you fell in love with this particular piece, it, those are the hub, and they bring you back. So I like to think of Dynamite as our hub, and I like to not make any of our, our shoulder content, I, I like to not make it mandatory. I, everything should be organic and there I want to see more of this or what happened between Joey Janela, Sean Spears and Tully Blanchard or I want to check in and see on somebody like an up-and-comer like Sadie Gibbs um, you know going over the top rope in tremendous fashion so to me that that's that's the key it's 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 there for you and we hope we hope you check it out it's produced with the same love and care that dynamite is but dynamite is the hub if you watch dynamite every week you're not missing anything.
Yeah. Yeah. I like it, great. It's good to see you guys. Thanks for coming, I appreciate it. Uh, I will try to stay as always and get everyone's questions until uh, the end. Uh, what do you, who wants to go first? There was a real scary moment with Joey after his match where all the medics came to the ring, a bunch of referees, agents. How is Joey and everything like that? Joey's uh, absolutely going to be uh, okay. Uh, we, I wanted to get everyone out to check on him immediately and uh, called for people right away. When, when the referee called for help, uh, sent people and, and Jack was back there and Jack and Joey are super tight. Jack wanted to come in and check on Joey as a friend and uh, yeah, it was, uh, he's, he's totally going to be okay, and I think he'll be at uh, Dynamite on, in Nashville on Wednesday. Okay, good. The, uh, the, the judges, the judges concept is a really cool concept, having the three judges there for the world title match. I wondered, what's the plan going forward in terms of having judges? Is it kind of as and when it calls for? Is it all the time? What's the strategy going forward? Yeah, I think like uh, when we have really big matches where we want to make sure that there's not going to be a draw if we have three judges and say there has to be a winner, at least it gives people the guarantee that like uh, if there's a draw, somebody will, there'll be a vote and some, there's going to be a winner. So uh, at least it'll give that finality. So that's kind of the idea. So I think for big title matches, you might see it. Tony, Chris felt that um, having Dean Malenko out there was unfair due to their past rivalry. Did he have any voice, any concerns to you about that before the match? Because he definitely got into it with Dean a little bit during Yeah, that was great. Uh, I think we thought that might happen, and we thought that would be like great wrestling television. So uh, that was a uh, part of it. Frankly, like, uh, Dean's like a official of the company, and like you expect Dean to be professional, and I think Dean would like vote for the best man. I don't think like anybody would think Dean Malenko would be an impartial kind of guy. I think that's what made it work and I think that's what uh, why it's great for the fans and why everyone liked it because like Dean Malenko kind of represents the kind of great champion that you'd expect to have like integrity as a judge. Tony, so, for a long time wrestling fan, what is it like for you to have an event in an iconic building like this? Uh, it's really cool because my I followed events my whole life in this building. Uh, it, it's a great building with a lot of history in wrestling and I've uh, Frankly, like it's no secret that like I've played around writing wrestling shows my whole life, and I'd be lying if I said I hadn't written a lot of shows here. Uh, it's the first my first full gear here. I've done a lot of dynamites here. Uh, <laughs> I've never done a full. Uh, it's pretty. It was a. It was honestly very special. Uh, I think if I had to go uh, to like an island, I was just saying this to people before I came in. If I had to go to like the desert island, if I could only take maybe like two pay per views, I'd probably take Double or Nothing and Full Gear. Um, we heard your voice on it at Dynamite. Are we ever going to see you as a permanent character? That was not like a, an intention to make like insert me as like a, a character or anything. It's just the the fact is like obviously I've, it's not a secret that I'm the owner of the company and uh, I have final say over everything we do at AEW. So that the idea that the you know match would not be sanctioned that for such a huge match we'd be doing something that would really shift the focus of the match and as you saw from the kind of match we were doing and the story uh, that I think was trying to be told uh, and what we wanted to deliver in terms of providing like just frankly a badass wrestling match and a cool lights out concept like uh, I, it was really just me delivering the news and I think that's a realistic thing and uh, the camera you know it followed John back from the time limit draw and I think you know he was looking to see me but uh, really like everyone knows uh, that like I don't want to interject myself in that way and like frankly it wasn't my, wasn't really my idea John kind of came to me as you saw what type of conversations do you have with the Maryland State Athletic Commission to have an unsanctioned match here tonight uh, we told I mean we said like kind of what we were looking to do and I think like everything was frankly like safe and uh, we, like uh, the guys you know uh, didn't do anything that really would have put either of them in like uh, harm's way to the point where I 
we didn't feel good enough about doing it, but like certainly the idea that it would have made sense in the context of a wrestling match also didn't make sense. So certainly with like the rules of the world of professional wrestling, like you couldn't sanction that match. Like the ring got ripped apart and and all and all kinds of crazy things happened. So that's the, that's the thought process. But it was all all good with them. What about and what about Cody's cut as well to continue that match? Because that was it was very vicious. the doctor immediately saw Doctor Samson, who's like uh, one of the best known doctors in professional wrestling, and has obviously you know done the, some of the best stuff in professional wrestling in the history of do- ringside doctors. Uh, went in and. Uh, checked and thought it was okay, and we sent him in immediately. And he reported back; he thought it was good, and kept the match going. Tony, there was a report that Jimmy Havoc and Excalibur got into a fight in front of you on Thursday. Anything you can comment on? I wouldn't call it a fight, but like it's yeah, I've seen a lot worse in uh, I was in a lot in the world of football, both in England and the NFL. I've seen a lot worse, and I saw a lot worse tonight. But yeah, they uh, they scrapped around, but the next uh, it was cool. It was cool the night. It was cool yesterday. It's cool today. It's fine. Tony, will that count towards Excalibur's record in AEW? <laughs> I wouldn't. It was. Uh, it would be a draw. I think if we're at best. But. <laughs> Keeping in mind your comments about not being an on-screen figure, and we just had Jericho and Hangman kind of throw out their own challenges. Are you going to take the talent consider their suggestions into consideration? Or are you really looking at like what's the best match? No, we're week doing those matches. Those matches. I like. We can. They were going to. I mean, since you, the, I, you know. Are you asking me if those were doing the matches they asked about? Yes. And yeah, those specific matches. Picture. Yeah, I think we do like uh, take that into consideration, and uh, we were gonna, I think, confirm that coming out of here because I'm good to confirm those matches. So we will sanction those matches. So yeah, this week on Dynamite, it will be Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara versus uh, Scorpio Sky and Kazarian for the tag team title, and we'll see if the Inner Circle can take all the championships in AEW. And it was big for Chris, and you know, it was a big night. It's his birthday, and. Uh, for him to lay down that challenge, I think SCU want the match, and that's a huge match for Dynamite. So uh, we are, it is going to be the inner circle versus SCU for the tag title. And then uh, Hangman Page came in, and he wants a rubber match with Pac. And uh, the last time they were in the scrum, it went very differently. Like, Pac was the one who came in and wanted uh, in the scrum. This time, I think uh, Hangman, even though he, he won tonight, and a lot of people thought he would feel like he kind of settled it. He feels like there's unsettled business, so that's definitely going to be another huge match on Dynamite. So, yeah, we're going to do that. It's going to be Hangman versus Pac also. What's the next so the schedule for pay-per-view? women's division? Sorry. Oh, sorry. sorry. The, the AEW's women's division, uh, you know, the match, the title match was about 13 minutes, and then the other match was in the pre-show. I've been reading a lot of criticisms, you know, being worried about the lack of time in the women's division. It wasn't originally supposed to women's match, uh, the Brit B. I've had, so just so you know, like, I feel very strongly about that program. Like, I was very heavily involved in the layout of that program from the beginning. Like, I worked on the Women's Battle Royal, uh, Casino Battle Royal, in uh, All Out, and uh, very closely with them. And, like, uh, the idea of, like, planning a... Uh, you know, we wanted Brit and B to be like a major issue for like a really long time, and like uh, there've been like seeds we planted for a long time ever since Brit first got hurt to like work work it into a big feud with like a major personal issue, and I think the promos that both of them have done built it into like a huge match. I wanted it to be on the pay per view. I felt like a lot of like I said, we put a lot of involvement into it. Like, it was probably the first match that I myself had had that much involvement in, like actually laying out was the Battle Royale where they were like. They were the final two along with Nyla, and they kind of knocked each other out uh, when, you know, B kind of screwed over Brett. And uh, so, like, I, w- I wanted it to be on the pay-per-view, but because of some timing circumstances, uh, and in terms of, like, uh, somebody having, like, a personal situation that was, like, completely understandable, we ended up moving another match that was going to be on the buy-in originally, the way we had laid out, like, even as recently as a week ago, 
uh, we switched it, but originally that was going to be on the pay per view. We had a, a, that was important to have both those matches on the show. So how do you ensure that the division keeps growing and keeps getting a bigger spotlight as you guys grow and move forward? Well, uh, it's really important to us. Like, uh, the, you know, work really closely with Kenny Omega and Brandy. Uh, like constantly, like looking for talent. We've been signing. We'll be able to make, announcing more talent we've signed. Uh, we've been debuting more people recently, so I think in the women's division, like we're constantly debuting new wrestlers. You've seen like, you know, Jamie Hader and Shanna have made appearances, and obviously uh, tonight I thought the women's title match was excellent. Like Rio's been a great fighting champion and been in a lot of great matches, and uh, I think we'll keep seeing Rio in great matches, and Rio will keep being a great fighting champion. And and like I said, with Bree and uh, B and Britt, it was a great story, and uh, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think we've seen the end of that, and like. I'm really excited about what Jamie Hayter and Shanna have done lately too, and Sheeta is awesome. So I think we, we have a lot of awesome things cooking in the women's division, and then uh, with Awesome Kong, that was a, a big uh, new surprise with Brandy and Awesome Kong also. Thank you. Tony, does um, the MJF factor change Cody never challenging for the title? Uh, well, it was like uh, the agreement they made was that he, Cody was not going to challenge for the title again if he lost this match, and uh, he did lose the match, and uh, I think uh, that as we understand the stipulation that it wouldn't change it, uh, I think like MJF was his corner, his corner threw in the towel, that was the way it was It was written. So. Is there anything you could talk about the next pay-per-view, when, where it's gonna be? And yeah, I think, uh, you know, I've said from the beginning, I really feel like uh, we wanna do the best thing for our fans in terms of giving them like value for the shows and giving like a great quarterly pay-per-view experience. And we're gonna keep doing that. It's no secret that like Double or Nothing, All Out, now like Full Gear are like big quarterly brands for us. So uh, in Q1, uh, there will be something, we'll make an announcement very soon. Uh, but you'll expect, you know, given that we're doing Double or Nothing uh, Memorial Day uh, again, and I, you know, that's happening, Double or Nothing 2 is happening. Uh, and we're, given that we're doing these big quarterly shows, I think tonight, you know, you can expect to see shows of caliber Double or nothing and all out in full gear, and uh, there's going to be another one on that kind of Mount Rushmore quarterly uh, big pay per view shows that we want to give people. And uh, I'll make an announcement along with uh, all of us here soon. I'm, I'm really excited about it, but I can't I can't give you all the details about it yet. But it's going to be awesome. Hangman said it was going to be cowboy shit, and he wanted to have the chaps in the entrance. Do you have any thoughts on that? I think that's super legit. I've always supported the idea of Hangman wearing chaps like all the time. So uh, that's awesome. Are they going to remain in the same cities? Uh, I, I, I can't necessarily say wh whether they'll all be in the same cities, but uh, Double or Nothing will be in Vegas. Double or Nothing is going to be at the MGM Grand, and uh, All Out is going to be in Chicago, yeah. So uh, those are th that I can say, and uh, Baltimore has been awesome. I mean, the sport we had here was amazing. I don't know. I don't, I don't have uh, anything committed yet, but I think it's certainly something we want to do. Tony, can I share a little bit about the ratings kind of in the U.S. and the U.K.? The, I mean, the ratings have been really good. You guys, you've hit a million a few times. You have been the biggest wrestling show on Wednesday nights so far. Even the UK, the numbers have been pretty good. How are you feeling about it? How are the networks feeling about it? Is it above expectations? Are you reaching expectations? People are kind of curious, I think. Yeah, we've like uh, I think we've at times doubled expectations. We've uh, every week we've been way way above the expectation and done really well. And if you told me going in, you know, at this point that you know when I saw you guys, because last time I saw you, a lot of you guys was after Washington DC, the debut of Dynamite. And, uh, you know, after that, we found out we did very well in the rating. And then since then, you know, the shows have continued to do well. And also, it's really important to me that they've been really good. Like, last, last week's show was awesome. If I had to go to a, like I said before, if I had to go to a, the desert island, 
with uh, like you know two pay per views. Like same thing. If I had to go to Desert Island with two TV shows, one of them would definitely be Pittsburgh. Like Pittsburgh, the fourth episode. That's the best episode of wrestling television I've ever seen, personally. Like with all the great wrestling on that show and, and the concourse brawl. Like to have an angle that hot and the amount of good wrestling we got into one show. I thought that mat that show was fantastic. Good. Like five amazing matches and another match that was real to me was very good and uh and like one of the hottest angles i've seen on tv all in a two-hour wrestling show and i and, and, and it all fit in there and it just all came together that's a perfect show to me philadelphia was also right there and then this past uh this past week in charlotte like it, it'd be a tough choice for me between philadelphia and charlotte and uh to me like uh we just have to keep trying to do stuff like that every week i'm really excited that like we already like going into this week now coming out of like such an awesome pay-per-view like you know now you guys know we you know the inner circle is challenging for the tag team championship like chris and sammy have been really hot chris had chris and sammy have a valid point like they hadn't really put their hat in the, the ring so to speak as a tag team to be in the rankings but they have been undefeated as a tag team and they they weren't in the top five but they are undefeated as a tag team they absolutely merit consideration so we are going to do that match and then then uh hangman page versus pack the the rubber match i think is going to be huge so yeah, that's the idea. I'm really happy with the ratings, but the big thing to me, like uh, people, you know, in England, I hope everyone's happy getting the show on the hub. I know people, we hadn't announced it right away that there was gonna be a solution for everybody on Thursday to get the show, but I was just in London and the availability so wide, the awareness of full gear was so great because I think also with England making the Rugby World Cup final, the amount of promotion we got with ITV covering the Rugby World Cup was amazing because uh, like, Everybody was watching the Rugby World Cup, which was like a huge percentage of the people in England were seeing tons of ads for full gear. So everyone was coming up to me asking me about it. We also spoke to Cody yesterday at the panel and he had said he doesn't want to be reactionary with the Wednesday night shows. He wants to, for you guys to concentrate and put on your own show. He said he even asked for the other program to be turned off of a monitor. Are you kind of in the same position? We've literally never once. In six weeks, I mean, it's not, I don't know if it would ever would. I don't, if there was ever consideration of turning it on, we never turned it on. The first, it's, never, it's never been on. In no, it's just what he said, but like, I mean, you, you kind of with him and you don't, well, we don't even have a monitor. We, all we have is like all of our cameras and then our like, whatever, but there's never been a monitor showing NXT in our office. But you kind of share with him about not being reactionary on the shows, like just concentrate and do your Yeah, we were doing, we've never once changed anything. Never once in six weeks have we ever changed anything based on what they're doing. It's just to do the best show we can do because of the limitations is like you have two hours and you have to please you know your your fans and your advertisers and it, it's important to please them both and you want to keep the show going for for the sake of everyone and like uh, it's just really important to me because like look like in, in the course of the year like uh, I don't know if I'll see all you guys again for a scrum but like in the course of a year because anybody who was in Jacksonville like at the beginning of the year we're doing like the anniversary show in Memphis it'll be we're going back to Jacksonville 51 weeks later for the New Year's Day show and then 52 weeks after we'll be in Memphis it'll be a year from when we started in Jacksonville in the parking lot of the stadium and where we've come. But like we've shifted wrestling. Wednesday night is the night to watch wrestling now. And like think about what we've done in a year. We've done a few of the best pay-per-views I've ever seen. Like, uh, and uh, you know, and then the, what we've done for TV has shifted the landscape completely. So I'm really proud. But like tonight's pay-per-view, I'm just like really happy for the guys because like to be here, everybody's fine. We were out with like a, any serious injuries, thankfully. And uh, I'm really happy for them because like, uh, you know, a lot of guys like uh, sacrifice, uh, like uh, they, 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 I guess that, you know, they didn't, I mean, everybody's a part of this awesome company, but there were people that like, uh, when they came here, they didn't know what they were getting into. Like uh, I had the greatest conversation uh, uh, with like Trent after his match. Cause like Trent's somebody I really believed in. I told him when he came, like uh, he had a spot. And like uh, when he came here, 
I told him, like, I believe in you. Like, you're somebody I've liked for years, and I really want you to be here. And then I put him, chose, I wanted him in this spot. It was my idea. Like, we put him in a great spot, and he did really well in the rating. It showed that people are invested in the best friends and Trent, and that Pac is a big headline star. They drew a great rating, if you look at the numbers. And uh, also, it was like a star making uh, coming out performance, I thought, for Trent. He walked back. And he said, hey man, thank you. Thank you for believing in me. Thank you for trusting me. Thank you for putting me in that spot. I said, I told you. And he said, yeah, I know, man. I'm glad I left Japan. <laughs> so, so and it's AJ's all, AJ awesome. Oh, there's, uh, anyway. And uh, I had, a, I had a, 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 like a, a response that will not say for the, for the camera. But, uh, but in all seriousness, no, I'm, like, I, I'm just really happy for them because well, you're, to your question about the ratings, yeah, we're doing really well, but like, the, I'm, like, I'm happy for those guys because a lot of people like, Risk, they made risks to come here and they weren't sure it was going to work out and he was nervous about it and it worked out for him. So Are speaking of ratings. Great, great, great things in Canada on TSM. Uh, moving to TSM 1 very soon. Do you have a timeline on you know when you'll do shows in Canada? Will Canada get the first non-U.S. show, and which cities are U.S. Really I, It's Canada? certainly a possibility Canada could get the first non-U.S. So I think it's possible. Uh, you know, we'd like to do shows all over the world. We have so many great international partners, but I think uh, we certainly would like to go to Canada. I'd really like to go uh, to England. London is like my uh, one of my hometowns. I love it, and I would love to go there to U.K. and specifically to London. But I would also like to go to Canada. No, no so, I don't have exact dates uh, in 2020, but exactly yet. But I, but I would like to do that. So speaking of so speaking of ratings and, and AEW being red hot, you signed one of the best free agents in Jake Hagler. Has Bellator had any conversations about your method of success and how maybe they can latch on to it to kind of they've, start create more? They've stars? been. I mean, they've reached out. They've been nice. I think they're nice uh, guys. I think uh, I don't really know them very well. They haven't really. Uh, I haven't had a lot of personal conversations with them about like promoting or anything. Uh, I think it's the very different spaces, and but you know there's some similarities between promoting wrestling and promoting MMA. But uh, I think it's really different products. We know in the past they tried to work relationships like that, and again, I think for businesses, AEW is so hot right now. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine them saying, "Hey, you got one of our stars. You're making them bigger now. What can we do to get part of this?" Yeah, I mean, I've, yeah, we haven't really talked much about that, but sure, I can see that. So, so you tell me, Express. Uh, yeah. I mean, what, what a heck of a moment for them tonight. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of bringing in legends like that, introducing them? You know, this is a new audience, seeing them a lot of them for the first time, really getting that. What is it? What's the importance of bringing them in for AEW, and just your reaction for? That was like, so I'm a huge fan of the Rock and Roll Express, but that was 100% the Young Bucks idea, and the Young Bucks wanted, they're, the, they're, they're idols, and like, I was 100% for it, because they're like idols of mine, too, I'm obsessed with tag wrestling, the Rock and Roll Express against Midnight Express, and all the different territories, Rock and Roll Express against the Heavenly Bodies, both the Stan Lane and the Jimmy Del Rey iterations, uh, the Rock and Roll Express, you know, against uh, the Andersons, uh, and uh, the Steel Cage, and and so many, you know, the Russians, and I obviously I just think those guys are great. And I, to bring Ricky and Robert in, though, that was all Matt and Nick, and it was a great idea. And then uh, to to extend it and then get them in for the pay per view, you know, in cities where the guys have had a history and wrestled some great matches, I just think it's awesome. And uh, you know, a lot of the great cities that have a great tradition of wrestling, like those are the cities we tried to hit. And if you look, there's like a theme of where we've been doing shows. I think it's places that have had a great tradition of wrestling. We privy to the conversation when they were laying out the match. Yeah, we lay out. I'm privy to all conversations with everything we laid out. I do. We do have a, like. I know. Like, well, was it Ricky's idea to do the dive, or was that still with the Bucks? I don't know whose idea. Okay, I don't know whose idea. What we were doing is, but I know that like it was all. Everything we were doing was like those guys were going to be safe, and it was all stuff that they could do, and it was all. I was just really happy that we, they were able to get 
that it all came off the way it did because like for the for Ricky and Robert to pull that off, it was really special for them. And they were I think they were really happy to be given the opportunity, but I was honestly glad that they graced us with their presence because like I mean they're like they're probably you know to have that and honestly them in the box, like, you know, two of the great teams of all time in my opinion. It was special to have them out there and uh, you know, we've really been trying to make the tag team division very special. Uh, we have that's a huge focus on our company. Like you notice a lot of the most over acts we have are tag teams. And I'm really proud of what we've done. I mean, SCU are great champions. And what we've done to establish private party, I think, has been huge. And then, you know, we have the you know other great teams with the Young Bucks, the Lucha Brothers, and now uh, Santana and Ortiz and a lot of other ones. Dark Order. Well, great to be so strong. Uh, a lot more advertisers reaching out to you at AEW? Yeah, we're doing really well. Uh, I'm very happy with it because uh, we share in the success of the advertising on this show. And it's, a, it's you know, a high-profile primetime show. And... It's going really well. Yeah, we have some really exciting stuff like, with advertising partnerships. That we'll couple more questions. Can you Tony, we saw Charlie Blanche really make a difference. It seemed like it was in 88 in that Baltimore arena. Will we see uh, Tully uh, give a promo on, on Dynamite anytime soon? Yeah, you'll definitely, we'll definitely hear from Tully. I think we'll keep hearing from Tully, and uh, I think he'll keep being involved. Uh, for better or for worse, but yeah, it's definitely not the last to see a Tully. He's been a huge addition. I can take a few more. I really appreciate all Tony, you guys coming, so in, thank you. In terms of timing, you talked about television, but in terms of the pay-per-view tonight, you had a really dramatic main event title match, and then you also had the Lights Out match. Is that something we should expect in terms of the dramatic and long uh, tempo of those matches, or could a lights ma out match, for instance, end sooner? Well, we've had other Lights Out. I don't think we've had, you know, the other Lights Out matches maybe weren't this uh, epic. Uh, but we've, you know, the, you know, when Kenny and Joey was long, but it wasn't this long. Joe, Joey and John was long, but it wasn't that Fire Fest wasn't quite this long. But I think, uh, you, you know, you don't know. I think it's unpredictable. That's what's great about our pay per views. And uh, in this case, those were like two incredible epic matches to close the show. But I, you know, I don't know if I've seen a better match to start a show than Young Bucks against Santana Ortiz, and then to come right out with uh, Hangman Pack. And we had so many great things through the show. So I was really happy with it. You noted three lights out matches uh, that are a pretty short period of time. Is this going to be a regular thing for AEW where you present these pretty often? I think it's like a very reasonable look at you know thing that the company, if we can't sanction these matches, like look like we can kind of turn a blind eye to it, like flip the lights out. It's been gone tail as old as time. It's been done in wrestling companies and you know territories for a long time. The like concept of the lights out matches. The company we weren't going to be held responsible or liable for what happens in the match. When you saw in this case. They tore the ring apart, you know. Yeah. Moxley and Omega and Janela are the only guys that have been involved in them. But these guys, you're you know, unpredictable. They'll tear, tear the ring apart, tear the building apart, and we can't sanction it. So it's at the end of the night, uh, you know, we, we, we kind of don't count them because of the nature of the match. They go all over the place. Sure, but will they be regular? Will we uh, see a I lot don't of think we'll see. I mean, you know, in the course of a year, we've seen those three, and uh, it's not something I expect to see that often, but certainly in the case of uh, what's happened with, like, uh, Omega and Moxley, I thought it was very appropriate, and that was certainly the appropriate match and the appropriate way to kind of do it tonight because uh, you didn't know what those guys were going to do, and I'm glad we made it the Lights Out match tonight because they literally tore the ring apart, yeah. and uh, we wouldn't have been able to continue the show after they ripped the ring to pieces. Tony, so, getting back to last Wednesday, i got to ask you about Jericho's video package. Very creative. What was the process in putting that together? Can you talk a little bit about the effectiveness of it? It was Chris's idea because uh, after Cody's video package, Chris had the idea to parody Cody's video. It's a shot for shot remake. A lot of people, it's amazing to me, in like across like friends in like Hollywood and sports and the NFL. There's so many people that loved it, but like a good percentage of people just loved it and didn't realize that it's a shot for shot remake of Cody's video. They just thought it was great in and of itself. And I think that's like great satire. 
uh, and uh, I think that's like when you know something like is is kind of hits. So uh, Chris, it was his idea, and he worked really closely uh, with the guys at Comeback Studios and uh, and Kevin Sullivan and Comeback have put together like great video packages for us. But Chris was like very hands on. So two production questions. Uh, AEW Twitter tweeted out a, a picture that did have a USA monitor on that. Uh, care to comment? Uh, where? On their Twitter account tonight, they showed a picture of the production truck, and there was a monitor for USA. Yeah, that's not my... I don't know what they're watching in the truck. I'm just okay. talking about the girl the gotcha. position where right. I'm at. We don't have a TV that like would even have cable on it. It's just we have the feed of our own show, and then I have like the eight to ten cameras that like we choose to go from so yeah i don't know what they could be why i think sometimes they have like football like during like yeah so like i don't know like you know between like stuff's going on like during the day but like uh you meant like during the show i don't know what that i i can't really be there and be in the position by the but you know with the gorilla position so i can't do yeah no i just wanted to clarify because you said the monitor wasn't on but then oh i don't know if they well i don't know what they are i i just meant my position where i am like where where because uh well, maybe, yeah, they could have been referring to the truck, too. I was saying, like, I've never seen a monitor on where I am. Gotcha. Like, uh, yeah, I can't speak to the truck. I go out in the truck, like, before the show for VTRs, but that would be, like, long before anybody else's show. That's, like, before the sun goes down. Gotcha. Yeah. And then second one, uh, people were commenting that the crowd didn't sound as loud tonight, but in the arena, it obviously sounded pretty loud. People who watched on TV said it wasn't um, as loud. Was the crowd mic differently? Or I sounded. Well, I was see. It sounded super loud because I was sitting. You know, I'm sitting right behind the curtain, so it sounded. I would to me, it sounded super loud too. So I, if it didn't, didn't sound as loud on TV. Yeah, I, that's what people. Well, it's hard. I'll have to go back and watch because I was just there. You know, but but but, but <laughs> as we were, it sounded super loud because I was sitting in under the. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I thought it's. That was a great crowd. Uh, it was obviously we had a great turnout. We sold a lot of tickets late. It was uh, so I'm. I was super happy with it. I thought the crowd sounded really good, but. I'll, I'll have to watch and see. It's interesting. We, maybe we have to check with the acoustics and we come back. Maybe we might get differently. But I thought it was a great crowd. Tony, you talked about being comfortable with the concept of the Lights Out match tonight coming in. But as you watched the match unfold, did you have any second thoughts at oh, all? Oh, it was pretty, uh, yeah, it was pretty gruesome. Uh, I uh, was very uh, concerned for both guys because they're obviously two of the biggest stars. Not, not just two of the biggest stars in AEW, but two of the biggest stars in wrestling. So um, obviously, like in sports, and wrestling being no different you always worry about like injuries and in the case of both guys i was very concerned about both their well-being and also just like you know uh even if it's just a short-term injury something that's going to keep them from being able to compete on dynamite because we need him and uh you know i'm not sure hopefully kenny will be available if kenny's not back uh this week i don't think it's anything that's going to keep kenny out super long term but certainly kenny uh had a rough night in john and uh, was no picnic for him either uh but yeah i was i will we were concerned about it for sure but it was a it was a great match. I were really happy with it. I think everyone, fans seemed like they really liked the show from what I've heard. I'm glad, it seems like I'm glad you guys liked it. One, you more, just noted, one more question, please. Sure. You, you just you, noted that you had a big walk-up market tonight. Is that encouraging that, you know, like, you're looking at the pre-sale figures, like, maybe you're not selling as much, but knowing that, you know, you have a hot market like this that might come out the day of and... Uh, it's really encouraging, crowd. yeah. But it, like, to, honestly, it's a, I really attribute a lot of it to the wrestlers and the, the hard work they did promoting the show. Because like SCU went out and did some promotional work, and like so Scorpio Sky and Kazarian, like you know, they've been great as tag team champions representing the company. Chris Jericho's gone out and done some media work, and Cody and Brandy went out and did some really good work. And I think it made a huge difference in the time running up to the show. And the look, like the local community here uh, in Baltimore, 
and also, you know, Washington, D.C., not far away, there's been so many great people that have really supported us in these markets. Uh, and really, up, up in the East Coast, uh, we just had uh, incredible support. So I wasn't surprised by it. That's been like a theme with our shows. You know, we've, we've had a lot of instant sellouts. And when we haven't had instant sellouts, we've had those kind of great walk-ups because, uh, you know, our wrestlers are really engaged with, like, the fans. If it, By the way, if there's anybody that came a long way and has got a chance to ask a question, I feel terrible. So if there's, yeah. yeah. one more question. Sure. Some historic cities. How about Richmond, Virginia? Yeah, Richmond, Virginia would be a great city. I've, uh, I've, that's uh, one of that's honestly a city I would absolutely love to run. I think that would be a great place for us to run. We haven't booked it yet, uh, but you know, as we, as we go, I think that'll be announced. I was really excited. We just announced, you know, Jacksonville and Memphis is the first two cities of 2020, and I think that like uh, Jacksonville is obviously my home, and there's a great tradition of wrestling, like uh, both. Florida wrestling and WCW ran Jacksonville a lot. Now, you know, for us, we, we established Fight for the Fall in there. I'm excited to go there. I'm excited to go to Memphis. Richmond would be great, and uh, we'll definitely uh, put that on the list. I'll talk about that with Raph. Is Madison sure. Square Garden on the list at one point? Well, you know, certainly is a building we've had uh, talks with, and there's I would love to run a show in New York. Certainly, we've been very popular in New York. Uh, we've been the number one wrestling show in the 18 to 49 demographic in New York City uh, on any night, not just on Wednesday. Uh, on cable, uh, so uh, yeah, and and so that's pretty, you know, that's pretty great. And uh, for me, uh, I would love to go to New York, and MSU is a great building there. But the, there's a lot of great buildings that we could run in New York. Uh, thank you guys. I really appreciate you guys always so coming much. to these. Uh, I'm not. I think uh, we'll announce soon when the next scrum is. Certainly, the next pay per view will have one. But uh, I think maybe between now and then we'll have one at TV. And I really appreciate those of you who keep coming to these, always coming. And uh, thank you for coming and covering the show, supporting us, and. Uh, if there's anything I can do for you guys, please reach out. I'm gonna, between now and uh, the next Dynamite, try and do some more interviews. And certainly at some of the TV shows, if any of you guys wanna to come to Dynamite, even though we don't have a scrum, I can, I can do interviews and stuff. Thank you for coming. I don't think that's the last we're gonna see of Soul Train Jones here in AEW. We asked Cody on Wednesday, yesterday, about the Wednesday Night Wars, the idea that you, know, you knew that WWE were gonna counter somehow when you guys announced Dynamite. You guys have won the ratings for six weeks in a row. Uh, Cody had said it's important for you guys not to be reactionary. You were in the Monday Night Wars before. How do you feel about the idea of going head-to-head, -head, being reactionary, not? Like, how do you feel about you've won six weeks in a row? What's the strategy going forward for you? Well, I mean, once again, this is not a war that we started. It's not a war that we, that we asked for. But um, we don't care who you put up against us. You could put the Super Bowl, the World Cup. You could resurrect John and George and do a Beatles reunion. We can't control that. All we can do is continue to have great shows and... Um, organic shows. This is not prefabricated. There's not uh, scripts being written uh, and, 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 and approvals being made and all this other stuff. I think that's kind of showing in AEW's product. That's why the, the segments and the promos and the backstage stuff and the fights have been very, uh, been amazing because it's been real. So um, am I surprised that we're winning? Of course not. I knew we'd win. Our star power crushes NXT star power, and exactly what I knew was going to happen. That NXT, what made it cool before, was a standalone thing. Now it's just another uh, WWE show. It's like you know, 19, 2009 ECW. So um, good for them. God bless them. And I'm sure at some point, you know, Roman Reigns will be on NXT now, and Hulk Hogan will return to a TV studio for the first time since 1981 in Memphis. That's fine. All we're going to do is continue to. Uh, uh, 
to, to worry about ourselves, concentrate on our storylines and our matches and our characters and building stars. If you look for where we started six weeks ago, we now have MGF, MGF on the hottest heels. Darby Allen has shown what he can do. Uh, Scorpio Sky, uh, how about the inner circle? Sammy Guevara, definitely the surprise uh, uh, standout. And Jake Hager, he, we've completely reinvented him to where he's just, where everyone's scared of him. That's the real guy. That's in six weeks. Imagine what's gonna happen six months from now uh, especially with the, the guys that I work with because everything I touch turns to gold. I got the Midas touch, man. Chris, have you had a chance to look at the ranking system and do you feel like it might give you a championship advantage knowing well in advance who well, you're going to be I'll facing? You, I'm glad that you asked that. You know, I almost think that you're a plan except for I have no idea who the hell you are. Um, I think that the rankings for the tag team, uh, uh, the tag team division is, is a bunch of shit because uh, Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho are undefeated as a tag team. And we're not even in the top five. So here's what I'm going to do with the inner circle being as hot as we are. Uh, Le Champion with the AEW uh, title around my gorgeous shoulders again. I think it's time for us to go further. I think the inner circle could win the tag team titles. I think the inner circle could win those bronze medals. I think the inner circle could win the women's championship. I don't care. Is there a little person championship? I'll take them on for that too. So this Wednesday at AEW Dynamite, uh, Sammy Guevara, myself, the inner circle, will challenge SCU for the AEW Tag Team Championships. And we're gonna walk out of there, I'll be le doble champion. Speaking That's French women. for double champion. Speaking of women, which women would you like Dummy. to be in the inner circle? Sorry? Speaking of women, which women would you like to be in the inner circle? Well, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of great ones. I mean, uh, you see Nyla Rose just beating the crap out of everybody. I love Jamie Hayter. Uh, we saw her last week for the first or second time. I think she's tremendous as well. Um, but there's quite a few. I mean, Bea Priestley's a little bit vicious. Um, it, it, to, to become a member of the inner circle, it's not something that we really uh, uh, choose and control, it just happens organically. Um, that's how we started this, this group. It's, it was my vision to bring in five killers, street thugs, ruffians, and if there's a woman out there who's as dirty and as mean as Santana Ortiz, as sexy as Sammy Guevara, it's not possible, and as tough as Jake Hager, and as genius as Le Champion, then we'll bring her in. How do you feel about comparisons between the inner circle and the NWO? Uh, NWO was 22 years ago. Uh, the difference is this. NWO was comprised, the original NWO, the real NWO, was comprised of three legit main event superstars. Guys who had main evented WrestleMania. Inner Circle is based around my genius and my ideas. And already, the other four members have become bigger stars than they ever were anywhere else. So that's the difference. We're building the Inner Circle. But right off the bat, in week one, we had the hottest faction possibly in the history of the business. And people didn't even know who these guys were. Like I said, now they know who they all are, and give us another six weeks, and another month, and then two months, and three months, and four months. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind we'll go down as the greatest faction in, 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 in wrestling history. Never mind the Four Horsemen, or the NWO, or DX, or Los Boricuas, or you name it, whoever. We'll, we'll be better. We're the motorcycle guys. My DOA. Name. What? DOA. DOA. Disciples better of the than those guys. Okay. Better than those assholes. <laughs> you, you, say crap. you say you're concentrated in AEW on the talent here, but you've got another big match on the horizon. What would you say to the critics who said that your focus is split? What's the other big match? New Japan for wrestling. Oh, Tanahashi. My focus isn't split. Uh, January 5th is a long time from now. Today's November 9th. I had one of the biggest matches of my career, uh, and I came out on top. I still have Wednesday nights until January 5th to worry about what I'm doing. Tanahashi, I've already got him in the bag. 
you saw the, 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 the challenge video that I did. Uh, it's something that the people in New Japan, they're scared of me. Um, they're scared of the pain maker, they're scared of Chris Jericho, and they play it off like they don't really care, but they do. I mean, this is going to be Tanahashi, the end of an illustrious career to the hands of the pain maker. So I'll tell you what, January 4th, 3rd, 2nd, 1st, I'll be concentrating on nothing but Tanahashi, but for right now, uh, I just beat Cody. Uh, I'm the top guy in the entire world, uh, the biggest wrestler, or the, the most uh, the proficient wrestler, the biggest celebrity in the business today. So uh, I'm going to enjoy it, and no less on my birthday, with a whole uh, faction of Bubble and my lovely wife to come with me. I'll worry about Tanahashi when the time comes, but tonight is party time. You give the fans the one finger salute. Nice tie. Nice give you the one finger salute. Watch it. <laughs> So the question is, lively crowd, in it for the whole show. Can yes. you talk a little bit about the difference between performing in front of this crowd and some other crowds that you performed in in the past that may not be quite as lively? Well, I mean, the thing is, once again, this is still kind of the honeymoon period of AEW, and some crowds are just hotter than others. The difference for ours is, um, I've been using this analogy quite a bit, I got into Metallica in the uh, summer of 84, and they became my band. I grew up with Metallica. And ever since then, I feel like I'm part of the band. Uh, because I was there from the beginning. This is the first time in the history of the business where a wrestling company is starting at the highest of levels in this generation. I mean, WWE started in the 40s, NWA started in the 1890s or whatever it did. ECW started in a high school gym. This started, our very first official show was at a sold out uh, Capital One Arena in Washington, D.C. with 14,000 people on one of the biggest networks in the world. So I think everybody feels like we're a part of something special here with AEW. Uh, the crowds have been great. Even Pittsburgh, one of the most famous dead crowds in WWE land, they were great for AEW. Hopefully that continues. Um, I think because people are excited about what's going on and they realize this is really good. And even when you kind of get through the pomp and circumstance of this brand new company, the bottom line is the company's kicking ass. The company's good with a lot of amazing, amazing performers. So that makes people more excited to be there and makes people, uh, we've, got, we've, we've received quite a few mulligans as a result of it. But as we continue to move forward and, and tighten up the issues that we're having, uh, get rid of the dead weight, uh, get better at the things we're doing good, and pick up the slack and things we're doing bad, I think we're going to keep uh, entertaining the crowds, enamoring them, because like I said, they feel like they're part of something special, and that's why they're so excited. Chris, when you, you joined excuse me, excuse me, last, last question. So Chris, when you joined AEW, you said publicly, you know, you were taking a risk, leaving WWE, leaving all the stuff you've done before, trying a new venture. We're now 11 months in, you're world champion. There must be a vindication for you that you took this risk and, and now it's paying off for you. Uh, talk a little bit about where you feel you are now, working with younger guys and being in this new environment. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think once again, it's not a, a tagline or a storyline when I say that, that AEW as a whole, the office, the, 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 the talent and the fans, oh, Chris Jericho, thank you uh, for it being in existence because I think when Jericho signed the contract, it made AEW legit. Everyone got paid more. Suddenly, there's a lot more excitement about the business. AEW becomes the cool company. So I think it was a little bit of a risk. But where I was in my career, I wasn't willing to go back to WWE, which I've been there for 19 years. I know what to expect. It's a great company. It's a great system. But when Kenny, uh, sorry, you're Kenny, when Kevin Owens uh, and Jericho had the best story of 2016, uh, 17, and we ended up in the second match in WrestleMania, I knew there's nothing I could do that's gonna be better than this, and this is where we land, it's time to split. And so when I came to AEW, 
uh, suddenly, like you said, here we are. Jericho segments are, are the best on the show. Uh, Jericho's the champion, having the best match on the pay-per-view, no matter what's going on. So this is where I should be. This is where uh, I want to be. And as I see AEW grow, uh, uh, specifically on my back, it's also very vindicating to see other stars coming out. People didn't know who the Young Bucks were. They hadn't seen Cody on TV in eight years, five years, whatever it was. And now suddenly people are going, well, yeah, Jericho's great, but what about Cody? What about the Young Bucks? Kenny Omega, Moxley's better than he's ever been. And then you got MJF and Darby Allen, and like I said, all of these guys, Jungle Boy, uh, SCU, Scorpio Sky, uh, name after name after name uh, that people are enjoying and getting into because of Chris Jericho. So I did, uh, at the risk of sounding egotistical, which I don't care, I changed the entire wrestling business when I joined AEW. So that is a, a pat on my back. And to see us continue to win and beat NXT, or more importantly, win the night in the demo that's so important for any show, that's very, very uh, vindicating for me and it's very exciting for the future of, of AEW and for Chris Jericho. Thank Chris, you have you ever much, been guys. slapped Thank by you guys. Thank you very much. What's that? Have you ever been slapped by an opponent's mother before? Been slapped by your mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight there was a bit of a reveal for you being back. Thank you. How are you feeling? Um, I, I, I'm beat up, but I mean I'm ready to wrestle again. Um, you know this is a ballet, despite our our good dancing abilities. But um, you know it's time for me. It's time for me to get back in the ring. Uh, these guys have carried the load, and uh, as a result, they're world tag team champions, and they deserve it. But I don't want to be on the sidelines anymore. I can't wait. Um, you know I, I'm basically coming in against doctor's orders. But I'm ready to wrestle, and I'm ready to wrestle Pendulum, and that's my goal. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get vengeance. I'm gonna get my revenge. Um, he tried to put me out, and uh, I'm gonna do it. That at the very least, put him out of the ring. Let's see what. Let's see how far I can go. Where did your idea come from to do the double play there and, and dress like him to surprise him like that? Well, I mean, you know, I, I feel like I'm a, I'm a pretty smart guy, and I'm not just gonna come running at you, yelling and screaming so that you see me coming. I'm gonna make a plan and I'm gonna get inside your head and I'm gonna screw with you. Um, this is the first step. And let's see what happens Wednesday. Let's see what happens the next time he's around, the next time he's in the locker room. Let's see what happens. I mean, uh, you know, they call me the fallen angel for a reason. Uh, I used to be a pretty good guy and I'm not really anymore. And I'll show them how bad I can get. Will there be a, a Freebird rule with the titles, with the three of you? As long as the Freebirds don't wrestle here, I don't think so. Yeah, no. No, these guys. These guys are in the belts. The plate, their names are on the the belts. I'll get my own belt. I'll get my own belt when the time's right. Chris Jericho said he and Sammy Guevara are going to challenge for the titles on Wednesday. Is there any truth to that? Bring it the hell on. I don't know. Did he say it to you? Yeah. 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 It sounds like he was being honest. Yeah. I don't think he's lying. These look good. Running shoes. Yeah. Let's do this. We're fighting champions. Yeah. 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 If, if the world, if the AEW World Champion wants a shot at the belts. We're happy. When we say we're fighting champions, we mean we will fight anybody on the roster that wants a shot at these belts. We proved it tonight. We beat two of the best, most dynamic tag teams on the planet tonight. Do you think they deserve it with the power rankings, though? No, but uh, Chris Jericho's the world champion. He's, yep. a, he's a legend. He's a surefire Hall of Famer, so if he asks for a title shot, I mean, he himself kind of deserves it. So, yeah. like I said, we're not running from anybody. Anybody wants a shot? And, li and listen, the last six weeks have seen the inner circle pretty much run rough shot. So, I mean, why wouldn't you give them an opportunity? Let's be, let's be the first guys that knock their dicks in the dirt. I'm fine with that. I know they can do it. Certainly not going to say no to Chris Jericho. You know? Certainly not. It's a big fight. Right. right. 
good attention for us. So every fight, every fight thus far has been a big fight. You know, the first night when Scorp stepped up and CD got hurt, right. that was a big fight. Right. You know, the finals against the Lucha Brothers, that was a big fight. Tonight was a huge fight. I said two of the best tag teams in the world. Uh, it'll be an honor and privilege to be Chris Jericho and whoever he brings from the inner circle. This might not be a question that we would have had before tonight's show, but the Rock and Roll Express tonight almost like put themselves back and you know people want to see them again in matches. Are you open to having a match with the Rock and Roll Express? How would that feel for you guys to sort of let a veteran team like that come in and, and, and take a shot? Are you kidding me? I, the, the, those two gentlemen, uh, you know, those are guys that I grew up watching and you know, maybe this generation isn't as familiar with them. They know them as legends. They didn't know them in their prime like I did when I was a kid. And I would be 100% open to wrestling guys like the Rock and Roll Express because without those guys, there is no Christopher Daniels, there's no Scorpio Sky, there's certainly no Frankie Kazarian because those are the guys that paved the way. And this generation really needs to see, understand, and respect that. So I, personally speaking, would love to do that. Uh, Chris, I do we face personally. I mean, you could put any two guys together put them in the ring with us, we're going to get the job done. That's the way we prove we're the best. Time and time again, we're going to go up against whoever they put in front of us, and they will all fall. Chris, you mentioned how you were going to get your own title. Uh, right now, the only other title would be the men's world title. Uh, do you feel like there should be another title? You some kind of challenge, challenge Riho? Uh, I, I, challenge I was going to say only other we men's title yeah. yeah, was right now the world title. Uh, is that would, would you be interested in a secondary title, or are you only having your eyes set on the world title right now? Uh, well, I mean, if, AE, if AEW decided that there was room for a secondary title um, in, in the company, I would certainly have no problem competing for that title. But at the same time, um, you know, I've been world champion one time in my life, and it felt great. And I would love the opportunity to wrestle uh, someone like Chris Jericho, someone I've looked up to in my career for more than 20 years, to get the opportunity to wrestle him and maybe beat him for the world championship. What a feather in my cap that would be, correct? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, yeah, that would be outstanding. But um, whatever happens with AEW, whether it's uh, the world title, a secondary title, uh, if six-man titles come around, if Riho wants to, to grapple with the old CD, I'm fine with any of that, man. I'm, I'm, I'm having the most fun of my life. I'm with my two best friends, and AEW's kicking ass every Wednesday night. So whatever happens, I'm, I'm, down, I'm down for it. Scorpio, you went from a person that was the uh, man who stepped to the side and was going to let the more experienced tag team wrestlers participate in the tag title, but then now you're tag team champion yourself. When you talk about the road from PWG, training to get into the point where on a national stage you get to show what you can do good question man good it, question. it's 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 obviously been a long road uh, i made a joke a week or so ago of like a 17 year overnight sensation you know and uh it's taken a long uh, a lot of mistakes and falling on my face and and things that were sometimes out of my control uh, wrong timing wrong place bad luck just you know and sometimes just not being good enough um, and I think it's it's definitely a testament to um, not giving up in your will. And I always talk about it. You know, they say that about they talk about the uh, the light at the end of, end of the tunnel. You know, this uh, this figurative light that's out there. And, and it's easy to keep walking through that tunnel when you see the light, when you know there's a light there. What's hard is continuing to walk through that tunnel and not knowing if you're ever going to see that light. And having people tell you there's no light out there and then you keep walking, you say, thank you, I'm gonna keep going. That's what's difficult. And if anybody can look at my story, um, I think they can use that as motivation to do whatever they wanna do. 
just off the back of that, you know, when you stepped in and team with Kazarian on Dynamite and the crowd were so behind you, was there sort of vindication to you, like, because the crowd, it almost felt like it was a 17 overnight sensation that night where everybody was behind you. Was there vindication for you in that moment of going, all the hard work, all the stuff I've overcome, they, they're reacting to me in a way that I, I hope that they would. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was definitely a great feeling, but at the same time, I knew there was still a mountain to climb. The match wasn't done yet. I, I knew we had, uh, even in, after winning that one, we had two more matches after that. But uh, it, it definitely felt good. And uh, again, I always compare myself to James J. Braddock, the Cinderella man. And uh, for those that don't know his story, is he was essentially uh, out of the boxing business. This is a boxer from the Great Depression era. He was out of the boxing business. They took his license and they called him up on two days notice because they needed somebody to knock out. And so he had to step in last minute and he won his fight. And then he won another fight. And then he won another fight. And then he became the world champion. So, yeah, it felt great. And uh, it proved that I'm the Cinderella man for wrestling. Where does Baltimore rank on the list of cities you guys have ever been to? It's tied for the worst town we've ever been to. Yeah, top five. SoCal and everywhere else is tied for the worst town we've ever been to. Or last. I don't know how you look. However, I do like. Scorpio, I want to ask you real quick. A lot has been made about the diversity in AEW. You are the first African American champion in AEW history. What does that mean to you? He's also the youngest, tallest, shortest. Heaviest and lightest African American tag team champion. I think it's uh, it's definitely a great honor. Obviously, it's uh, you never want to make it anywhere um, based off of what you are, and I think that's the beautiful thing about AEW is they are open to having uh, just different people of cultures and and religions and and whatever it may be uh and and it's all it's about talent right here it's about talent you got to be able to get it done in the ring and and be a performer and uh the fact that i was able to step up to the plate and get here and represent the culture it's amazing get that vindication against pack in the match tonight um i don't know if that's what it is uh it's it's weird, like, I, I don't talk about it a lot, but I'm feeling good tonight, so maybe I will. It's weird um, being in the elite, right, and being me. Um, and my, my teammates are the best bout machine, the greatest tag team of all time, Mr. AEW Cody. Um, and it's hard, man. It's big shoes to, to fill as, as far as partners. Um, and I felt like this year I haven't, <laughs> I have not done it, you know? Um, and I beat Pac tonight, and I'm happy about it. I really am. Uh, but we're one and one, you know. So I haven't really, really beat him, you know, in the way that I need to. I think. Um, so I'd like to have a rubber match, to be honest with you. You know what I mean? Between the two of us, um, and I'd like to probably have it as soon as possible. Where are we? Uh, where are we at Wednesday? Yona. We're at Nashville. Nashville. That's a place. A good place to do some cowboy shit. <laughs> Wednesday. We'll do it Wednesday. I think, huh? I mean, I, I can't make matches, but we'll, we'll do it Wednesday. Uh, how, what was going through your head when you and the Bucks came out to try to stop Kenny from, or, or were you trying to ask him if it was time to bring out the barbed wire? I was just wondering what was going on in that moment. <laughs> I didn't know about this damn thing until, uh, like, halfway through the show. Okay. Uh, like, after my match, they, they clued me on all and said he wanted us to do it. I don't, I don't know, man. We didn't, I, we told him no, but, I mean, what are you going to do? This dude's out of his mind screaming at you to, to bring this thing out of there for him. I mean, 
you can't just keep saying no forever. He keeps screaming. You might as well, dude. He's he's a psycho, and you just have to let him let him give into it a little bit, I guess. So you're clearly walking with a lot of emotion. Today was a very special day for AEW and yourself. Um, I think we all can agree that pets are family. How's the burden of and the, and the grieving process been of, of you losing your horse? Oh shoot, man. It's uh, it's been tough. You know, it's it's not like a dog where when your dog dies, you just get another one. If you have a horse die, it's different. You know, it takes time. I think uh, I've I bonded with Chuck about it. Uh, he had a horse die on his birthday when he was a kid. I mean, 20 years ago or more. Um, still a dead horse. So we bonded a little bit over it, maybe. Um, I don't know if he would admit to as such, uh, but we'll get through it. You know. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, AEW and the power ranks as it's come out for the men's division to tag the women's? It's a pretty revolutionary thing in wrestling, it's not happened recently. How do you feel about the, the power rank and the idea that, you know, your wins are really going to matter? Uh, it's good, man, yeah. Uh, shoot, what, do I, what was I on the rankings? Was it three, four? I don't know. It was three. Three? I think, I think Pac was two. I don't know how that changes tonight. Uh, I, I don't know how that changes Wednesday. Um, so... We'll see about that, but it uh, it's cool, man. You know, to really have a legitimate sense of you know where you are. You know what I mean? It puts things in perspective for you. Next pay per view probably won't be for what another three months or so, something like that. Um, honestly, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I've got to. We're gonna call it cowboy shit. Okay. I think. Yeah. That's cool. The the stage is gonna be uh, me. It's a big, just a big picture <laughs> of me in the chaps. This crotch just opens. People enter that way. <laughs> Uh, walk right through. Walk right through. Yeah, well, they can ride ponies. I get the horse, I think. Maybe that's when I'll debut a new horse. We'll see. You know, you've yeah. been a part of BTE for a long time, been with the Bucks for a long time. They put their faith in you, got you a part of the show, got you in their faction. How do you feel seeing their vision play out, being a part of their vision? And also, how hard is it to keep up with BTE while also doing weekly television now? Um... <laughs> It's cool, man, to see all this come to life. It's great. Um, it's something we've been wanting to do, obviously, for a very long time, uh, and it's it's a real thing that I'm, you know, flying in and out of uh, home to, to do every week. So it's it's badass. Um, keeping up with BT at this point is is difficult. Uh, I won't lie, uh, and I, not like difficult for me as much as it is for for Nick because he's still shooting the stuff. I mean, Brandon's there helping, but he's still shooting the stuff on his phone. He's still editing it on his laptop, you know what I mean? Uh, and trying to get it up Monday. What's today? Saturday. So, yeah. <laughs> he's got to get that up soon. Um, it's tough, but I think uh, people love it. You know, People react to it. I think more so than, man, a lot of things I've done in my career, people react to the stuff you do on BTE. Um, we have a dedicated and loyal fan base, so uh, as long as they're there, so will we be. I guess the follow my, my question actually was I'm, I'm glad that we got this cleared up about the cowboy shit. Sure, yeah. They're spaced out a little bit more. I would think that as a performer, that allows you a little bit more creative liberty to tell a better story. Is that advantageous to you as opposed to being on a monthly cycle like that? Uh, you know, sometimes less is more. Yeah, uh, we do have a two-hour show once a week on TV. Right. You know, we we are limited somewhat in in how much content we can put out, uh, and like once a month is just too soon. You know what I mean? Like we've. That's eight hours of TV leading up into a pay-per-view every month. Um, I, I think spacing them out. Have we announced like a, the next one? Not no, we haven't. Okay. So it, obviously not very soon, uh, but spacing them out a bit, I think, you know, gives time. Gives time to let things breathe. You know, you can have some of those bigger matches end up on TV. You know what I mean? So um, 
Yeah, that helps there too. Of all the agents that are working backstage right now, producers, who are the agents that you found yourself working the best with to put together your matches? Uh, oh yeah, um, a lot of a lot of good guys uh, backstage to help out with any advice and stuff like that. Um, Dean, Dean Malenko, he's uh, one of the funnest people I've ever met. You you might not would guess that he has a very weird dry sense of humor. Uh, Jerry Lynn's cool as shit too. Um, yeah, those two. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> But you've been on being the elite and stuff like when people when AEW started, you've been on that show. How important do you think it is for like you know shows on YouTube and social media, like different elements to create your character as opposed to just a TV show, but bringing other elements into it? Honestly, I can't give you the answer. Wrestling's weird. There's no like one thing that works. You just try a bunch of stuff and see what happens. And uh, I feel like BTE was the thing that was uh, just one of those things. You know, Matt and Nick were trying, and man, it, it started clicking, started working. Um, no matter what it is, you know, whether it's it's some, like a YouTube thing, whether it's just whatever on social media, whether it's what you're doing on the show, um, I think people can really tell when you are putting a lot of time and effort and creativity into something, whatever through whatever medium that is, people can see that. You know, I think that's more important than the medium itself. And was there a moment when you were doing the elite that you knew it was really gaining traction? Was there a specific moment or a specific part of it that for you is just like, okay, things are changing? Um, I mean, it was just, yeah, all of it slowly over time. Like, for me personally, it was when uh, I got kidnapped by the WWE, and uh, yeah, that, that was tough, but um, <laughs> it was weird. It was something not acknowledged on Ring of Honor television at the time, <laughs> and uh, we're at the show, and people are just, where is Hangman, you know what I mean? Um, and that's like, when things like that are happening that aren't, you know, they're not part of the TV show, they're not part of whatever, but people, that's what people know and they talk about, that's when you know, like, oh, this is a little bit bigger than just us having fun. There's something here, you know. He took us through that suplex near the guardrail. Oh. Your back got pretty uh, dinged up. After I'm not worried about my back as much as my neck. Um, like a little stinger. Uh, I kind of like. I, <laughs> it's funny. My parents are watching. They're texting me, asking about my thumb. They're like, "You do thumb work or whatever?" But like, you get a stinger sometimes. Like you, your hands kind of like. I don't know. They kind of like numb up a little bit, and you kind of gotta like try to keep them. Mo and they want to like do this. So that's kind of where I'm at. Um, <laughs> Uh, I think Kenny's probably with the doctor, so I might not bother now. Um, so yeah, my neck is really important. You mentioned you had a stinger there. A stinger is a concussion, right? What do you use the concussion? Oh no, just no? Like, a, I, like, I don't know, like when your neck is kind of, I don't know, jars a, a little bit or something. Like a pinch neck. You know, yeah, like a pinch, like nothing, like my neck's not broken. Uh, but one of those things that does kind of like, you kind of get like get your fingers feeling good. Okay. Guys, one more question please, last question. But it sounds like that's not going to keep you out of action on Wednesday. Oh, hell no. Probably good. Okay, thank you very much. Cool. Thanks, Thanks guys. Appreciate it. it. Thank you very much, Michael, for joining me at the top of the show to talk the news of the day. Thank you all for tuning in. If you're still here right now, it's like at the four-hour mark. Thank you. You're wonderful. <laughs> I hope you. I hope we helped you get over the, the last hump of your day here. Uh, of course, thank you to Paul Walter Hauser. Go see... Uh, the Ballad of Richard Jewell, December 13th. He's the lead. It's directed by Clint Eastwood. Kathy Bates is in this movie. What's going on? Took time to talk hey. to us about wrestling today. Ridiculous. <laughs> From London. This dude, living, living the life, man, right? Directed by Clint Eastwood, talking to Nick. There you go. He called me from London, where he's filming Cruella. Currently. 
Anyway. Um, and then, of course, thank you so much to AEW and StarCast, uh, Mandy at AEW. You're all wonderful for helping to facilitate the scrums and all the other great content we got from AEW and StarCast over this past weekend. Uh, and with that said, tomorrow we got even more. This is all going to be from StarCast. Now, we're going to play the Orange Cassidy audio that's gone viral tomorrow. Uh, we also have an exclusive interview with Shaz McKenzie. Of course, right now there's the hashtag hire or sign Shazza movement that is going on. Uh, she comments on how the fans are getting behind her and how they want her in AEW. And we also have my interview with legendary pro wrestling referee Earl Hebner, where, uh, spoiler alert, he says it's like uh, when you work for WWE, it's like working in a prison. So he had uh, <laughs> Earl Hebner off the chain. That's just a taste, man. You know, Earl Hebner off the chain. This tomorrow. was an interesting interview, right? Like, you asked him about uh, the Montreal screw job. Like, lots of things in this interview I thought really fascinating. So good job there. He was just like, and I was like, you know, it was only like six minutes long, but I feel like we covered like a half hour's worth of content this thing. So, anyway, like, just like sometimes he would react and you're like, wait, like, yeah, anyway, yeah, good job. <laughs> what? What are you saying, yeah. Earl? Uh, so, if you like all of this, head over to the Wrestling Inc. iTunes channel over on uh, iTunes. Give us a five star rating, nice comment, tweet at us, hashtag unblock Houseman. I think that's a good, I think that's a good hashtag movement with the Rusev thing going on. And, uh, Michael, what do you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap up the show Oh, not today? much. You know, I'm just going to say follow. But if you like what we did here, please give us a rating and review. Call out the Winkly, right? This all is part of the same podcast feed on iTunes. So if you like the Winkly especially, give us a shout-out. Go back and check out the work we did over the weekend with um, Raj and Matt Morgan for SmackDown and AEW Full Gear as well. And, um, yeah, if you, if you like me at all, follow me. On, if you don't like me, if you want to tell me to block Wiseman, right, follow me on Twitter. I am at the real Wiseman. I will be back on Friday nights with SmackDown doing uh, – doing the tweets for Wrestling Inc., and then doing the post-game show. All right, guys, and I'm at Wink Rebel, W-I-N-C Rebel, over on Twitter. Give me a follow. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll talk to you tomorrow. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.